This episode was brought to you by the Social Fishing Membership, Australia's fastest growing freshwater platform, giving you the resources to catch more fish. Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. Welcome back to the Social Fishing Podcast. This is episode 81, and I was lucky enough to sit down and interview Jonathan Bleakley. Now, for those of you who don't know, Jono is a co-host of the Real Action Fishing Podcast with Michael Guest. He has featured on many of those episodes, those TV shows, the Real Action uh, Fishing Show, and he is also a media producer and content creator at Ozfish Unlimited. He has buried himself deep in the fishing industry, and he's also a presenter. Uh, he's presented many different videos, content, and I'll let him explain more about that in the episode. So in this one, we're not going to be talking about techniques for like detailed techniques on chasing Murray Cod, Golden Perch. We do have a little part of this on bass and an adventure he did on bass recently. But this one's more about the talking about the fishing industry, talking about Jono's background, getting a little bit to know about him. So that's the first part of it. Then we obviously talk about bass and that's a journey that he did down the Bellinger River on the north coast of New South Wales. Uh, that journey he went on, the, the fact they went in a canoe, how long they went for, the whole story about that some tips for chasing bass and then we get on to talking a little bit about content creating and it's a bit of a a discussion between both of us about getting started in the industry, becoming a content creator, how we get paid to fish and starting a podcast, lots of different things there and the learning journey we went through and some really good lessons and then obviously we finish it up with the standard questions on most memorable moments. So it's a really good episode, it goes for quite a while, it's not if you're here to learn about catching freshwater fish, it's not the podcast for you. But if you want to hear something very, very different, which is very interesting, content creating, a story, a really interesting story, then this is an epic podcast and I hope you enjoy. So anyway, that's enough from me. So without further ado, let's jump in and talk with the one, the only, Jonathan Bleakley. Mate, this is uh, good to actually sit down and have a chat with you. I know I've chatted with you on your podcast, but welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast, John O'Bleakley. Yeah, it's great to be here. I love I love anyone doing something like this, podcasting, making videos, making content. It's uh, it's great to see. It's great to jump on. You know, we, we've connected oh, probably two years ago now, and I think ever since we first met or first, well, we had an email conversation to start it off with. I'm sure we'll get there. Um, I think we both knew we had similar passions, similar ideas, so it's great to be able to kind of deconstruct a few of those on, on the podcast today. Yes, mate. Now, a funny thing, we actually got introduced uh, by Steve Starling, uh, at which we both did a podcast with, uh, which was quite fun and interesting, the fact that he introduced us. Now, he introduced us and the first couple of conversations we had were about a video series that you wanted to create and what has happened? I haven't heard about that for about 12 months, mate. Is that, are we still going to do that? Of, was that out of your league? Was that what that one yeah. was? You've forgotten? I think... I no, no, no. I, I have a... No, man, you'll soon realize I've had so many ideas over the past and a lot of them, some work and some don't. And I think that's that's a big message that we'll probably get out of today's episode is, is, you know, you have to have 10 ideas for one of them to work. But yeah, the particular idea, I'll share it now because, you know, I don't care if someone goes and copies it. It's a great idea. I'd love to see it happen. But I got in touch because I wanted to do this video idea where we would take anglers who only do a certain type of fishing 
and drop them in a new environment and and yep. kind of make them find their way if that makes sense in this new environment and i knew reese was like hellbent on on freshwater so i was like i wonder what would happen if i took him out of his league and dropped him in lake macquarie and said go catch a mulloway so why aren't we going to do it though i still think it's i still think it's a great idea i still think we should do it yeah no i think it will happen eventually um but like all things you know you need you need backing on it i guess you need someone to to kind of front the the expenses that come with that, and it's it's about finding the right fit. And I, I look, I think it will happen eventually. If someone else beats us to it, then then you know all credit to you. But I think once I reckon another year, six months to a year, when we kind of find our feet is to post COVID world, you know, who, who yep. wants to back these type of ideas and and go ahead with those really cool marketing campaigns? Someone will will pop their head up. But until then, it's just an idea. That's all right. Uh, now, can we sort of... We, we had a couple of chats then. I met you at the boat show running up the staircase. I don't know how you spotted me because uh, you are at the boat show. Then I invited you on a trip to Windermere and just run us through... I know we've talked about it on your podcast with Guesty, but just run us through the experience for you having a crack because obviously for everyone listening, this, this podcast is going to be a little bit different. We're not going to be talking freshwater tactics too specifically, I will. We will have a conversation around bass and some of the bass adventures you've had because you've done a fair bit of bass stuff. Uh, but we will be talking about how the whole fishing industry works, uh, our own experiences, your goals. Uh, you're very unique in in the fact that you're young, the way you present, the fact that you have a passion for presenting. So that's kind of what I want to discuss in this episode. Not so much talking, you know, big cod tactics because you're probably the last person I want on for that. No offense. <laughs> But uh, run, us through, run us through Windermere. Run us through uh, your, I'm sure you had expectations. Uh, first time having a fish, but also observing what we actually did to produce a film because we've only created three films, I think, uh, since the beginning of the membership and you were there for one of them um, and mm. you watched us put together the film. So run us through your expectations for the trip, fishing with Starlo, fishing with myself, what you learnt and more about what went into the creating because you've obviously filmed episodes tv shows with guesty so this is yeah completely different level but a completely different style in the way we created them because I remember you saying things like uh, you enjoyed how we put it together and went about yeah. it. but anyway i'll let you tell i was now. i was less excited about the fishing to be honest i for, to, to build some context around it me and reese had met uh you know we'd been introed by steve starling of all people so you kind of knew there was always there was already going to be a connection there and we, I think we built a level of respect for what each other was doing. And then it was like, okay, we need to go and meet. So when this trip came up, you know, naturally you'd think, oh, I was really excited about going to catch yellers or going to learn a new technique. And I was, but I was probably more excited about the content that was going to come from it and learning. So I had the podcast gear and I knew we were going to do a podcast and it, that was still a huge highlight for me. Yep. And then I knew you were going to create content and you were going to create a film and you'd told me what you were going to do. And I was like, okay, I'm really keen to see how I can help out and then fit in, but then learn from what Reese is doing. So look, the fishing was great. We've documented that a fair bit. Um, well, you can watch the film to be honest, but we've documented that on other podcasts and, and you know, I got a, an ass whooping there at one point and we can chat on that shortly. But for me, I was so impressed with how efficient you and your team were when it came to creating what you had to create. So uh, uh, other than mapping with drones and things like that, the two days that I was there was basically spent producing a film. Now I'd come from a background 
with Guesty, and then I've carried that into myself where you have a, your own videographer, you pay them, and they have sound sorted and visuals and drone, and you produce it, and you might have. This would be the first time you've seen it self filmed, self made, hey. not and not GoPro stuff, not GoPro stuff. Like we'll get to the evolution of that shortly, but like I'd seen people do vlogs which is carrying a GoPro around on a selfie stick or on your chest and recording the whole session. Like that, that took off for a few years there. And that in itself is a form of content. But what you did was basically you did the role of the angler, the videographer, the producer, the drone man, and the sound man with your team, which is, was basically, you know, Dan and you. I, Dan, yep. you and, and his young bloke. So, um, and I, I like, we all chipped in I'm not saying you did it all yourself, but like, it was so impressive to see everything from, how you have an ongoing battery, you run your solar to when you pick up the 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 GH5, which is the main cam, to how you run your GoPro settings so you don't kill battery and cards. And the whole thing was so efficient. And it wasn't until you sent me the link a few months later. That's right. Because you were, cause you were like, like, how long is it? I remember, I remember your reaction is you're like, uh, is that actually a full hour? But it didn't feel like too much. No. Or it might have to you. I don't know. No, well, like the, the, you know, we were having so much fun and we were talking every time we weren't recording. So like we were catching up because that was kind of the first time we'd not met, but you know, hung out. Um, yep. But when you said it to me, the quality of the film is like really good, like really, really good. And I was thinking, well, that changed the game for me a little bit. That that really inspired me to go approach content, particularly my role now at Ozfish, which we'll get to completely different to what I'd, what I'd done in the past. So you ask like, what'd you get out of that trip? Well, other than meeting you and recording with Starlo, you know, I, I got a completely different perspective on how you can, I guess you can create stuff in this industry um, or just marketing teams generally and not need a cameraman. It, it was pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's obvious and, and it gives you a different, I love the way we do it because it's more real too and natural yep. and basically whatever happens, happens. Obviously, you don't see a heap of it, but then we do show a heap of it. But it, I, the reason I come up with it was because obviously starting out and still starting out, growing what we're doing is you can't afford it. You know what I mean? You can't afford it. Like, no, you can't afford it. So That's everyone's barrier. It's the biggest barrier to entry in any content industry. You can't afford it. If anyone's listening to this, to get a cameraman to come out and record you for a day, it's a thousand bucks straight off the bat yes. paid up front. And That's then a lot of money. To, ed- to edit that, if you want to get that edited, a three-minute clip ballpark is like 800 bucks minimum. That's produced a really neat clip. Like you've got a really nice video there. No one cares about a three-minute video. You need to be pumping out like 20-minute clips minimum, you know, to, to warrant a YouTube channel or 15 or 12 or whatever. So if you want to do what Reese did at Windermere with, you know, with the team, it's like that would have Way been a eight eight to $9,000 invoice. Yeah. And and the Which good thing about incredible. it is if, if if it was a fail, well, it's just a fail and it's it's, it's just a three days on us rather than three days on us and a stack of money. So well, it's your time. You're just paying for your time. Like yeah. that's it. Which is fun anyway because we're yeah. out there fishing. So exactly. jumping on uh, beyond that other than the... Uh, oh, by the way, what's one thing you remember? No, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that right at the end. Just something you remember from Windermere in specific uh, and also a couple of fish. We might say that to the end of the podcast. Can you run us through now yeah, that I've got you on because I asked this question to everybody when they first jump on to an episode of the podcast. Uh, tell us a bit about you, John Obliquely. Where do you come from? Yep. Why fishing? Uh, what has happened in the short, well, short version, 
to get you to where you are today? Yeah, I've actually never really broken. I broke it down once on a podcast like 18 months so ago. So you've been asked before? I, I got asked on a, a another podcast. Um, uh, it was only a half an hour one and I kind of rushed through it and it was the first time I'd actually deconstructed it. I get asked this question a lot because you'll soon find out I, w- I probably shouldn't have ended up here with the degree that I've had and, you know, where I grew up. So a lot of people ask like, well, what do you do? Like how, how, what do you, and I try to deconstruct the question and sometimes if we're at a pub or something, I just get, you know, skim past it quick because I can't. It's not worth answering. It. It's not worth answering, and and usually people have more questions, and some people think. It's, I think that was me. <laughs> they have no thing. idea about the industry, and people think fishing is just something you do off a jetty with your grandfather. So they're like, "How the hell have you even made a living out of it?" So things like that. But yeah, this is probably a good chance to do it. So I'm from. I live in Newcastle, Lake Macquarie. Um, I moved out of Lake. Macquarie is that where you were born? Yeah, born and bred here. John Under Hospital. It's the big hospital. If you if you happen to get injured, either you know anywhere south of Coffs or or north of Batemans Bay, you'll probably get flown here um, to John Hunter, which is the the main hospital here. Um, to put it in perspective for everyone listening, um, and we happen to have on our doorstep the largest saltwater tidal lake in the southern hemisphere, which is Lake Macquarie. So essentially, it's it's I think it can fit Sydney Harbour in it like nine or ten times or something ridiculous. So it's tidal. Um, has an entrance. And it's a reverse delta. So the entrance is tiny, like tiny compared to how big the lake is. So it'll take you an hour in an average boat to drive from one end to the other. But um, the entrance is probably no bigger than some of our estuaries up and down the coast, right? So you can imagine the amount of water that's getting funneled in and out of there every single day. Naturally, with so much water, so many different species. Um, so I guess that kicked off a passion early from fishing is, is that I was, I was living on the doorstep of a, a recreational fishing haven. You know, I had Mulloway, Big Flathead, Kingfish, Taylor, Salmon at my doorstep. And then on the beaches, you know, we've got, I think Newcastle still got some of the, the nicest beaches up on the East Coast particularly. So look, I was surrounded by a, a really kind of cool a fishing area, which if you're not surfing, you're fishing. And I fell into the fishing category. Um, yeah. But then a lot of my holidays were spent up on the mid-north coast in Urunga and Bellingen around those areas, which is probably more prone to your snapper and your mangrove jack and things like that. So I was always surrounded by fishing and my story is the same as anyone. My, my, grand, my grandfather did it, taught my, you know, my, my dad and then my older cousins and then I was always there. Yeah. And, and I probably caught onto it a little bit more because of my addictive personality. I, you know, put it down to whatever you want. I'm not sure, but I, I just fell in love with it. Probably fell in love with the whole you know, organizing your tackle box before loving fishing. But yeah. um, I think we all did. Tackle box yeah, was I like think a that, shrine as a kid. Yeah, they still are today a little bit, but not the exactly. same. Exactly. So I think it was that whole narrative. And then I, f- I feel as though there's a pivotal moment in everyone's either fishing, surfing, golf, soccer, football, whatever you want, whatever sport you do, there's a pivotal moment where you go from liking something and doing it as a kid because your dad was doing it and you got carried along to then doing it yourself independently. And I, for me, it's anywhere from 12 to 16, 12 to 14 even, where there's a few real pivotal years in there where if you continue to do it and you start to realize that you can do it on your own throughout that period, coinciding with your junior boat license where you can go under 10 knots and things like that, that will set the foundations for you doing that for the next 50 years, if that makes sense. Whereas if you drop off in that period, yeah, yeah. And you don't continue doing it there. That's where a lot of the fundamentals and the kind of realization and the obsession is developed. Then you probably won't end up doing it a little bit later. 
it's a kind of a deep thought, but I was, I smashed it from 12 to 16. I got my junior boat license. I had two mates that were really into it. And that's, you know, that's how I met Guesty and we'll get to that shortly. So that, I reckon that period has probably set me up for what I'm doing right now is those three to four years after turning you know, 12 or 13, where I just fishing, but yeah, just fishing every, yep. every, every minute I had. Chasing what? Flatties. I'll, well, the goal was always Mulloway, but we weren't getting them at that age. Like you had to. So what would you catch at that age? Everything else. Everything else. You were you were you were catching yeah. flathead salmon in the winter. We have huge salmon schools. Taylor, you could catch them twenty four seven. When the kings came in in summer, you were like, oh, we got to get on the kings. Yeah. Then every single time you were fishing, you were really chasing a Mulloway. Um, but then, you know, when we went up North, we were fishing off the beach again, probably chasing the Mulloway, but you know, like it was, it was just, it was, I guess for you, it's like the cod, the yellow belly, the trout, the redfin type thing, you know, it's, there's four or five species that you're always targeting. Um, and yeah, I, I I got into it and I, I reckon that set me up for what I'm doing now. Uh, so then keep going from there. So you, you fish then, and then what happened from leaving school? So, like, how old are you now? 25? Yeah. yeah, 25. So seven so years this there. Is, so, how did you get on kinda, to... Yeah. Yeah, sorry. This is the this interesting is bit. This is the bit like, is everyone the wants to hear. Bit. Yeah. You can't so, stop there. Um, yeah, so, uh, long story short, I started... YouTube was obviously out since 2008 or something like that earlier. I put up a few YouTube videos with a few mates of mine, Tyler and Brendan, at like... Uh, maybe th- i was 14 maybe 13 14 15 type thing are they still right really different channel i reckon i don't have the login i'm not sure if we deleted them or they could still be there i could well dig them out and I'd like to see them it was it, all it was was the first gopro strapped to our chest walking the sandbank chasing salmon on top like ultra light gear anyway recorded this video thought it was the best thing ever i did like three of them and funnily How good enough, was it? <laughs> oh, it was oh, I so had the same fun. Thought with but, one. but the video now was it was terrible. But um, yes, funnily terrible. enough, Michael Guest. For those who don't know, he um he has a national television show called Real Action. He's got a a national. Uh, he, he was a national radio show. Now it's a national podcast, the Real Action Fishing Podcast, um, and runs the world world's biggest um, fishing competition, the Pertech Fishing Challenge. So he's, you know, he's a world number one rally car driver back in his day. So he's done a lot. Anyway, his son happened to be in the year below me at school. And Michael lives, you know, 10, 15 minutes away from me. And I always knew he was in the area. You sometimes see him down on the boat, but, you know, he's 40 years older than me. So I knew his son was in my year and I got the same 40 years older than you? No, he's not. Uh, no. no, 30, 35 years old. You'll have to, you'll have to tell him yeah. you said that. I, yeah, no, he went, I, I throw him under the bus every day of the week. Yeah, he's not quite, I think he's 30 years older than me. Um, and yeah, he's definitely not 40. Sorry, Michael, <laughs> if he's listening. Um, that's a, his, that's his, a his son got, <laughs> his son got the bus home with me. I still remember the 814 or the 815 or whatever it was, the bus. Yeah. And he was sitting in the seat in front of me and I just happened, I was, you know, probably in a good mood and I said, excuse me, mate. You know, I knew him. He was a friend, but I said, you knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew him. And I said, do you mind showing this to your dad? The video, the YouTube video. The video. I said, here's the link. I wrote it on a a sticky note, a a white sticky note that I had from Officeworks in my bag. Really? I said, do you you mind showing this to your dad? And he goes, no problem. Like, he didn't like fishing at the time, like the son. So I don't think he felt like it. 15? Yeah, I was in year eight, I think, maybe 15. Uh, just, and he said, no problem. 
And I wrote my number on it and thought nothing else of it. Anyway, three or four days later, I get a text from, from Michael and he goes, hey, mate, watch the video. Nice work. Let's go for a fish soon. And I was kind of like, cool. Like, that's awesome. Like, how cool is that? A sticky note. No. So he eventually, you know, a couple of weeks later again, picked me up out the front of my house and he, he had his young bloke there and we went out for three hours on the water and we had a bit of a fish. And I think he was screening me at the time as to whether I was terrible or not, you know, like, could I fish or could I not? And it turns out at the time for his national TV program, he was looking to blood a younger person, you know, sub 16 to, to appeal to the younger audiences, right? So the, yeah. the, the younger demographic. And I guess I showed a bit of enthusiasm. I had a bit of fishing skill. You know, I could, I could tie my own knots and catch a fish. And, you know, I wasn't shy. So on camera, you can't be shy. Otherwise, you're just never going to get a gig. So yep. he said, well, do you want to come on an episode with me in season four? So we're now doing That's season cool. 11. So season four, he said, do you want to come do an episode on the lake? It'll be a day off school. You know, just come catch flathead. I'll do the rest. And I said, great. That it was the best day of my life. I'll show you, I'll link you the episode just for your own viewing, Grace. It's pretty hilarious. But I was a young face, pup, you know, I could catch a fish, but even the lines that I said were just hilarious and terrible at the same time. And it went well. He came in, I think the next season, he asked me to do two, you know, and then, you know, the next season, it might've been four. And then by season six and seven, you know, I was doing maybe four or five, maybe the odd sixth episode a season, right? Yeah, Which cool. was, and I was, I was nothing more than a co, co-presenter. co I didn't speak much. I was very much there as to like the, you know, the young enthusiastic guy. I guess he got a lot of, you know, joy out of putting me onto big kingfish and things that I probably couldn't wind in at the time. I was very skinny, still am, like small. They call me the high-speed racing ferret, you know, like very small. So he, you have to put- Who calls put, you that? Guesty or you? Guesty. Yeah, he came up with it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, so then that's kind of, that set, uh, I mean, that's one thing to say, oh, you've been on a few TV shows. I mean, Real Actions had upwards of 50 people be on the TV show. It, it, you know, I put a lot down to Michael even believing me in the first place, but it took a lot from me to then take it to the next stage, which is why, I, you know, I get a lot of crap from my mates as being like, oh, you're only doing what you're doing because of guest here. And look, to be fair, probably am in the sense that he gave me the belief and a lot of skills straight off the bat. So and, just on that, I, before, before you keep going, do you feel that you create your own, that what happens to you in life, do you feel that you create it, you bring it on yourself? You know what I mean? People are saying it's only yeah. because of guesty because you are where you are, but you are where you are because of the fact that you wrote on the sticky note, whether it happened that way or it happened another way or it happened another way. Yeah. You create yeah, your own path. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I'll tie it into this. So like, my response to everything is, and and when we finish this story, you'll kind of see what I mean. But my response is, if you want to do anything in life, name any profession, at a young age, you need to get a mentor. You need to get someone who is already doing that, right? Find someone who's got the job you want to do and then hunt them down and get a coffee with mm-hmm. them, buy them lunch, go out mm-hmm. for dinner with them and pick their brain Work and figure out how free. the hell they got there. Work for them yep. for free, intern, whatever you want to do. So. Other than a few outliers is like, you know, bodybuilders, rugby league players where you you need a, lev- a level of physicality to even get into the sport. But I'm more talking about you want to run bars and restaurants and have, you know, in the middle of C- Sydney, you can do that. Go find someone who's doing that and reverse engineer how the hell they got there. You know, mine was the same. And 
before what having, was your goal though going fishing with guesty was just you going no, to go for a fish that was no had, goal no i didn't i at that point i didn't even want to do this i had no interest in it at that point i didn't fishing. have i was just a kid fishing no it wasn't until 2020 and we'll get to it in the middle of covid that the, the penny dropped so i'll right. so I, I keep going with the story go there no, you um, kept going with the what? What happened? So you you finished school at eighteen, and then what was your thoughts? Because that wasn't no, no. So was... I'm still s- s- still seventeen now, and um, I wanted to level up a little bit. And yeah, no, I was seventeen in the story, I'm so I'm seventeen. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I wanted to level up a little bit, and I said, you know, Guesty at the time was you know social media was coming into it, and I I knew how to do social media at the back of my hand, and I said to him, oh. Well, do you need a hand? You know, like he, he will be the first to say he doesn't know that world very well. So I started helping him out with running his social media accounts and it, it wasn't paid to start with. It was just give me your login and give me some photos and I'll do it, you know, and eventually it turned into a, you know, maybe 50 bucks a week or whatever it was. I'm not sure it was bugger all, but it was, it was purely me just wanting to get more involved. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think he could see that I was, you know, enthused about the business because at the end of the day it was a business and I was trustworthy and you know, whatnot. So he said, cool, yeah. no worries. So I was, I was technically on the books for the show. I was their, you know, junior employee. And anyway, so then that, that was just a little side gig I did. I was working at cafes and restaurants and at what age after came, school? Yeah, 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 probably the end of year 12. Um, I was very studious, you know, I was hell bent on going to law school and doing a law degree. Anyway, that was your, that was your, yep, you're like year 11, year 12, I'm going to go do law. Yep. Since probably 14, 15. Become a lawyer. I was going to be a lawyer. Yep. I was going to be a lawyer. What got you into that? The like civil law stuff or the... No, my sister was doing it and my sister was a lawyer and I always really enjoyed any show I had ever watched that resolved around the courtroom. And then when I started studying legal studies in school, I loved it. I was was obsessed with the subject. My legal studies teacher was fantastic. He, He created a passion within me for the legal concepts and the principles. Anyway, so I needed a certain mark. I studied my ass off. I got the mark and went into law school. And I was doing that. I was doing full-time law school, working at a cafe and helping Guesty out on the side, doing a few trips here and there. Up until I decided to go overseas. I went and lived overseas for a year in 2019. and lived in Sweden. And for a whole year, I basically didn't fish. I, I, I didn't leave Guesty, but I, didn't, I wasn't running your socials. I just... No, nothing fishing related happening to, happened in my life for the year of 2019. What did you do over there? Holiday? Studied. Law, I studied law, law school in right. Sweden. Yeah. Yep. And obviously, you know, 2020, 2019, COVID started. So, you know, my exchange finished as I was coming through Sydney airport. They started uttering um, the word COVID. And really? On your way home? I found myself back in... Yeah, I came in about a week yeah, right. before the word COVID was like mentioned on the news it was crazy march. Um, so you must come home in march 2020 no 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 march march is when it all went down i came home in uh february uh very start End of, of february. february start of february uh yeah fe- february fe- i know my flight my flight was february 15 so there you go i don't oh. know why i remember that yeah. um and anyway so i got back i found myself here in australia i'd quit both my jobs i had nothing to do and i'd probably matured a little bit in that time and thought you know, like I've, I've, I've got, I had a burning desire there to probably kind of 
do something in the fishing industry again and whether or not that was giving Guesty up another call and being like, hey man, I'm back, you know, keen to get involved in it, I'm not sure. Yep. But I, I for some reason, I just had this kind of reignited sense of confidence when it came to, I guess, speaking, communicating. And I think it, I put that down in my law degree and we'll get that, it, we'll probably get to it. You'll probably have a question around, you know, why law and whatnot. But the one thing it taught me was to be able to communicate and whatnot. And I bit the bullet at the start of 2020 and asked my mate at the time who's, who was getting into editing and videography. And I said, mate, can we go out? Let's just film a session on the lake. I have no idea what it's going to look like. I have a bit of experience under guesty as to what a show looks like coming together. Can we just go try it? Went out there and had a ball. Like I loved it. I loved camera position placement. Okay. I'll say this then. Oh, I caught this. How's that fish going to look? Um, all the pressure's on, he's recording, can we catch a fish? And I came home from that session and just had this, I was like, this, this is awesome. You know, this is so cool. Is, so, is, that, a, is that a different, is that a different feeling and awesome to, to a session with Guesty? Cause that's catching a fish with 100%. a camera. 100%. What, what's the difference? What's the difference? Well, the difference for me is that you're the boss. So when I'm with right. Guesty, I'm a co-host, right? Guesty He's yep. running the, he runs everything. He's the most, you know, he's the most, uh, you know, switched on guy on set I've ever met. When yep. it's you there and I've, you know, when it's just you there or you and your mate, you're that person, right? So, but and this was all a bit that, of fun. That, was, that, that, that whole, yes. you're the one, you're producing. You enjoy that. I was, yep. Producing and, and, and having the pressure of having to deliver and it was a new type of pressure, probably a pressure at that point in your life you hadn't had to... But in saying that, pressure. We weren't posting this video anywhere at the time. No, it's I not, ended up, not pressure, but yeah. It's not pressure, but I ended up posting the Setting video to YouTube. Goals. Yeah. I posted the video to YouTube and I knew I had a bunch of mates that always liked fishing and asked questions. So I started an Instagram page called John Goes Fishing, like J-O-N Goes Fishing, as a laugh. And it was only for mates who ask about fishing and want to know about fishing, but I didn't want to post it on my personal account. So I just created this one. And yeah. anytime I went fishing, I just documented the journey. What? And is it still there or it's not there anymore? No, no, that it, it's still, my account now is that account. I just changed the, the username. Right. Right? That's cool. <laughs> so if you, if you scroll, if you can be bothered to scroll back like a thousand posts or whatever it is on my Instagram, the first 50 posts are John goes fishing. Right. So, um, Anyway, so I posted this video, ended up, I had a few mates that were really into it and I bit the bullet and uh, probably, you know, halfway through July of 2020, I got a mate, my mate Jack Nolan, who's still a big part of what I, what Guess he does and what I do now with just, you know, loving the sport and we have the same conversations that me, me and you have, Reese, I have with Jack, you know, he's just heaps into it. He came down with his boat from Coffs and we filmed a 20 minute episode fully produced fishing episode like a tv show on the lake i yep. funded the whole thing and yep. what why i did that was to genuinely see if i've got it i wanted you just to tested yourself you just were yeah but I, t yourself. I tested myself on in a full scale scenario so i tested yeah, yeah, myself yeah. in the sense that um okay i'm treating this as if i need to shoot a pilot episode for a tv company and i'm gonna yep. go do it and i treated yeah, cool. every when I, was my that 2020, so, mid 2020. Was it lockdown? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Lockdown ish. It was like, yeah, it was pretty like low Before. key. Like yeah, yeah, you yeah. could fish and that's probably half the reason we did it. 
and yep. it was called an S3 session. It's on YouTube now. It goes for 20 minutes and it was shot properly. And, you know, I'm a young face, me and Jack there. We caught some fish, had a ball doing it. And I put that on YouTube and I put it on socials at the time. You know, eventually I'd, I'd changed my name on socials this point to, to Bleakers and it got a really great response. And I had, you know, people from in fishing companies, brands, I had, you know, just adults who were in the industry reach out just be like this is fantastic work guesty was patting me on the back saying mate this is actually really really good well done um you know all my mates at the time rallied around me and were sharing it and you know at that time i think it had a you know tens of thousands of views on on instagram and and uh, you know i think it's up to like 15 or something like that on youtube now which was big for me because i had no other platform right and um that kind of, that by that point the fire was well and truly lit and I was still studying law at the time and I was still hell bent on doing it but there was this little undertone starting to creep in to say that yeah there's not a whole lot of other people your age doing this and there's a whole lot of older people currently doing it which means in 5 to 10 years time there's no one coming through the ranks right so it's like it's like a young 19-year-old half, halfback coming through the, the Newcastle Knights or the, the Broncos or whatever, looking at the 35-year-old halfback that's currently playing, knowing that he's about to retire you know, in four or five years' time. And it's like, well, who's playing halfback when he's finished? So the and question ha- is, is that your goal, to play halfback? Well, I'm speaking from uh, me in 2020. Now it is. Absolutely it is. But back then it was this thought that was just creeping in my mind. You know, you got to remember this is four years ago. Like, well, it started for, this is three years ago, this conversation. So at that point I was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I could do this. I'd love to give it a go, but I was always going to finish uni. No matter what right. happened. Okay, I was so keep uni. happening. What, what happened in the last three years? So I finished uni um, and just before I'd finished, um, oh, sorry. Well, yeah, uh, in and around that time, about, you know, similar time, um, Guesty had a radio show and yep. it was bought, bought out by a major company and they axed the show. Just they made a bunch of people. Oh, so they bought the they bought the radio. St- they bought the whole station and just cleared station. the whole schedule. Yep. Right. Yep. Bought the whole bought the whole station and Guesty was one. Guesty's show was one of the ones that got axed by no means of any reason. It was just a whole clearing out. You know that whole media thing that happens with the the papers and the tabloids. The, the same people on the station. So put two and two together and you'll figure it out. Um, and he had always spoken about a podcast. And at the time, I was listening to podcasts twenty four seven. And I said to him, a bit older now, a bit more mature. I said, mate, you need to start a podcast and I'll help you. I'll make it happen for you. Just give me the word. I can still remember the day. I'd clocked off. I was working at a cafe one or two days a week. I'd clocked off. I was sitting down having eggs benedict and a coffee and guest he calls and I go, hello. And he goes, what are you doing in an hour? And I was like, nothing. And he's like, <laughs> get over here. We've got a podcast to create. And I just hung up and I was like, yes. Like, let, like, cause like to me, that was just so cool. Like a fishing podcast. Yep. Are you kidding? Like at the time I, there wasn't many around and I was just kind of go, I'm going to, get a chance to oh at that point there was no hosting it i was just helping him set it up anyway we get over there and he's like okay this is what i'm thinking he wanted to sit down for 40 minutes once a week chat about fishing in his experience but then play real-time audio into the into the feed so he would go hey listen to this and then we play a snippet from the show and he could talk about his emotions and the excitement yep. and things that were going on in the time anyway so we, we had some gear there 
put a big sheet over the rooms to make it, you know, sound, I guess the sound quality a little bit better. Yeah. And he goes, okay. And he, and typical guesty, you know, he just gets straight into it. He kind of goes, um, okay, well, I'm going to need someone to co-host. And I'm kind of sitting there in the corner of the room and he goes, well, do you want to do it? And I was like, uh, I was like, yeah. Like, what, what do you mean? He goes, well, can you just jump on it and we'll just make something like, let's just try it. And I was like, okay, let's get on it. And he goes, just follow my lead. And I'm not kidding. This is, that was the conversation. Follow my lead. So I've never yeah. done a, a, a speck of radio podcasting in my life. He put a microphone in front of me and he goes, follow my lead. Okay, no worries. We're on. And he goes, g'day and welcome to the Real Action Fishing Podcast. We'll get into it. You know, how are you, Jono? And I go, um, good, thanks, Guesty. Thanks for having me. And he goes, cut. He goes, rubbish. You don't thank someone for having on the podcast when you're co-host. We'll go again. <laughs> when you're the co-host. Yeah. And he goes, we'll, we'll go again. And I went, oh, uh, no worries. Funny. And he goes, okay, g'day. Welcome to the Real Action Fusion podcast. And we got into it. And that episode's still up there. It's number one on the podcast. And, you know, we, you know, I, I studied, you know, you come back to like, do you make things happen? I didn't expect to stay on all the episodes, but I studied you know, communication methods, listen to a bunch of other podcasts, learn how to edit, learn how to produce, learn all the equipment and what it does and basically forced my way into it and tried to come up and study different, you know, different fish and, you know, environmental issues to give a little bit of difference to the podcast and four seasons later and 180 episodes later and, you know, a, a fair bit of time at number one in Australia and number one in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, where he, we're still here now. So to me, that's a big success story um as to what we were talking about you know only in 2020 so this was only a year later um so at this point nice. if we so take that was 2021 it, yeah that was, that was 2021 yeah okay and we're two years later so keep going so now so i guess if you take a stock take at 2021 i'd released a youtube episode i'd done and maybe three or four other shorter ones I'd done six episodes with Guesty and I started the podcast with him and was now a full-time co-host and editor of that podcast. Then on the yep. podcast, we started interviewing guests and one of the guests we interviewed was Cassie Price, Habitat Coordinator or Habitat Programs Manager at Fish Unlimited. And it's so funny. It is so funny listening back to that episode because at the time I knew nothing of Ozfish Unlimited. No idea who they were, what they did. Guesty was an ambassador. He knew a bit about them, but it was a very, you know, new organization. And at the end of the episode, um, uh, you know, just by, I guess, I'm not sure how it happens. I still haven't asked, but, uh, I got flicked a job opportunity in uh, inbox after you know, a few weeks after that episode from a guy. Just randomly. Happen- no, I knew a guy who'd worked for them in the science department of Ozfish, like the program science. I didn't know him incredibly well, but I knew him, and he heard me on there and drew the dots together. Long story short, you know, our siblings went to school with each other, and we knew the last name. They lived in the area. It's not really, uh, you know, there was no connection. And he happened to reach out on social media and go, "Hey, man, what's your email?" just going to flick this across. It was, they put it, they put the job opportunity out on seek and on all socials. It was titled as a media manager. And long story short was they didn't ask for me by any means. This guy just thought I'd be good at the role. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and because I, because I'd interviewed Cassie, she thought, sure, flick it to him. See what he says, you know, type thing. Like they had, yep. you know, you should see the people that applied for this job. You know, I won't name them, but that, you know, there's, there was some pretty big people that went for the job. Right. 
anyway, so I was, I still had a few subjects left at uni and I said, okay, I'll apply for it. It's probably two or three days a week, writing a bit of fishing stuff. You beauty, I can leave the cafes. I hated working in hospitality. Anyway. Right. You're still doing cafes at the time. Yep, yeah. Like I, I was yeah, making yep. a, Wait, making a couple hundred bucks enough for your eggs benedict and then you'd have nothing left after buying that exactly like anyway so i said right i'll i'll do that and um i i jumped on the the call yeah sent in my resume got through to an interview jumped on the call did exactly what i'm doing now you know spoke how just spoke exactly how i am now told what i think i could offer what i can't offer they asked a lot about law and why i was doing it and why i'd even apply and i just spoke my mind and you know at the end of the at the end of the every interview, someone always says, is there anything you like to add yourself? And I, I'm a firm believer that if you don't speak, then you're missing a huge opportunity, right? If they give you an option to speak, you speak, right? Do what you say. So, that I, so, well, they said, is there anything, anything you want to say? And, and I went back to them and I, I just said, well, the interviewer at the time. And I said, how many people in the organization right now fish? And they were like, Oh, not, not many. And I said, right, how many people in the organization at the moment, um, you know, are on a fishing show and, and do a podcast and how many people spend their both days of the weekend? So I asked a question. I forget exactly the word, but I said, yep. and they said, no one, no one and no one. And I went, okay, no, good to know. And that was the end of the interview. Anyway, an hour later, I get a call back and they were like, hey, we'd love to offer you the job. I was like, oh, that's, that's fantastic. And they said, it's five days a week, full time starting next week. <laughs> and I was like, hang on. I thought it said a couple days a week, like real lenient type stuff. And they were like, no, we have that much work backed up at the moment that it's five days a week, full time starting next week. I was like, oh. You're like, you're like uh, I'll have to get back to you. I didn't, yeah, I didn't accept. I said, look, I've got to chat to my mom and, you know, I want to figure this out because this is a big decision. So naturally, I spoke to mom and rang Guesty and spoke to my, you know, a few close mates and was like, what are the pros? What are the cons? Long story short, it meant I had to drop back a subject at uni, which would have meant that I'm going to be at uni for an extra six months. But it would mean the workload would level out so I could study after hours or before hours and then work nine to five, if that made sense. Yeah. But I could have finished, say, in January, but now I'm going to finish in you know October. And I thought the money was like pretty good, like, you know, maybe like 30 something bucks an hour at the top, which was in my world was great. It's fantastic. And I was just kind of like, well, that's big money for me. I could save, you know, for a car and things like that. So I took it on. I started and I was so green. I had very little understanding of anything other than what I was doing with Gassy, you know. Moving forward now, how long have you been doing Ozfish? Oh, two and a half years. And you're not doing law? No. So I, I started in... Uh, April, I think, Ozfish was around April, yep. and then and then studied law and full time study for seven months, around about full time. So my lifestyle was waking up, studying, or going to class eight till ten, jumping online at work because I work from home at Ozfish. That's you work from home in this in national organisations yep. like that. I would work till five or six, have dinner, and then smash out three or four hours of assignments. I had no social life. I had nothing for seven months, which is like not a huge, people go, oh, seven months, who cares? It's like, yeah, I just put my head down and got it done. But had I not done that, I was, I was, I would have been disappointed in myself because I was always said, I will finish my degree no matter what. And anyway, so I finished the degree and I got to a point where I was like, right, I'm done. But not, not a single part of me thought, um, 
I'm going to leave Ausfish. I was kind of like, this is, this is unreal. I'm just going to keep going because why would I stop? You know what I mean? So basically I just continued on and two and a half years later, you know, obviously more responsibility comes your way, things like that, you know, a bit of extra money here and there. And now I'm well and truly entrenched in, in what I'm doing here. And I absolutely love it. So, you know, it's a very long answer to your question. I, I think, you know, obviously we're chatting about that, but there's probably a fair few people listening at home that are kind of like, you know, well, how do I do, you know, I, no one gets paid to go fishing. So anyone sitting at home thinking like, oh, how do I get paid to go fishing? No one gets paid to go fishing, but you get, you can get paid to write about fishing, present about fishing or video, like film fishing or, you know, whatever it is. And I, I guess I just happen to have a passion for it and, and a skill to be able to, I guess, talk that allowed me to, you know, get my you foot in the door. You definitely have a skill. Um, to talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not going to deny that at thanks all, mate. Face. You definitely have skill there. <laughs> so, so that's, that's the long story of, I guess, how me and you are sitting here now. Big story, but you pretty much did your law degree. How long's law? Six? Six. And it took you six and a half because you extended? Yep. Yep. And you got to the end of that. And is, do you reckon it's because you were at Ozfish? So say you didn't have the job at Ozfish, you're still doing the cafe stuff, you're doing the stuff with Guesty, would you have jumped into law? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Like at the end of the day. Yeah, because you could like you know, I'd love I would love to say, no, I was hell bent on doing this. Mate, you gotta in this world, you gotta start earning some money at some point to be able to get a a house deposit and a car and a phone bill and things like that. And at the time, just I was, I was, if it was law or hospitality, God, I, I, I still have an ambition to study law at one day, but yeah, it would be down the track. Yeah, because otherwise, and yeah, I wonder if you did that, whether this Ozfish thing come along after law, you'd probably be like, mm, I've already started law. Like, nah. That's, exactly. Nah. It's timing. It's all about timing. And, and I still think back on it today and go, like, wow, like, that's, that's, crazy to think but i also think back on it and go you know what that's what you get for for you know i was i'd spent nine thousand dollars of my own money on production costs to make videos and get a not even a personality but to get a resume together um that was even worth people looking at you know which was a huge i had no money when i say i had no money i might have had fifteen thousand dollars to my name working from a cafe for since i was 14 you know so nine of that went to paying videographers and that to come out with me so I could talk to camera so then I could package them up into show reels and then send them to marketing managers and brand managers to show that I've got a skill so then they would send me gear which then gets me more work you know so like there was a bit of a moment there where I was like well if this all if this fails then you know it has probably been a bit of a financial exercise yeah but you got to take that risk Absolutely. yeah moving on from the Jono story which oh, I love mate thanks for jumping into so much detail on how it all started, where it all come about from. I'm actually, I've got another question later on, which we'll continue on about that. But can you just, can we run into some bass stuff for a minute? And yeah, for those absolutely. listening who, let's just chat about bass for the next little bit. Um, obviously, they're not far from you. They're a popular fish for freshwater through sort of that northern New South Wales region, uh, especially on the Great Divide. You got a lot of bass through there. There's not as many down south here on the Divide. There's a few, but north of Sydney, heaps. Um Run us through your recent drift that you did, your float that you did. Uh, what what did where'd you float down? How'd you set up for that yep. float? Was there anything you learnt? If anyone's going to do a float for bass and fishing wise, how'd it go? 
Yeah, this is, I'm excited to chat about this because this was one of those moments and to tie it back to content so it's not completely novel. This was actually a trip where I wanted to take no cameras, nothing. I just wanted to go. Oh, right. So this was just a fishing trip. This was just the trip where I'd said, you know what? I want to go fishing and I want to yep. be able to have a beer at the end of the day and just go with my cousin and his mate. And like, this was a purely a enjoyable trip. So it kind of ties in. It's a nice little break from content, I guess, quite literally and for the conversation. So um, <laughs> Australian bass straight off the bat, like they are, the, the, the conversation around Australia's, you know, premier native sport fishes will never be solved. You know, people like you will say Murray Cod. There'll be people up there that say, uh, up north that say Barra. To me, the bass is, is, is probably, you know, the one that deserves most respect based on the, the miles that it does to, to survive, right? So, and the issues that it's faced over the years. So, you know, Australian bass, they grow, you know, they can get to like 50 centimetres. So then by no means a big fish, you know, the people have caught them in the 60s, yep. but, you know, very rare fish that, you know, they're not like the big Murray Cod or big Barra, but when you're holding a big bass, it is built like a, like a truck. It's got huge shoulders and they go hard pound for pound. They would go hard as any fish. I reckon any fish. Like yeah, they fight. Their tail, they're the best they fight. fighting fish for their size. They yes. are for their size. Exactly. So, um, you know, just touching on what, like a little bit about the species, I guess, is, you know, they have to go down to the salt to spawn, right? Now, that can be hundreds of kilometers, but over the last hundred years and so, we've decided to build barriers and bridges and causeways and weirs and things, which break up our freshwater systems, right? So, yep. the fish, like, you, you, a fish that needs to travel a hundred kilometers to spawn is just faced with concrete barrier after barrier. So I always have a lot of respect to the ones that make it because they've, they've, they've done a lot of miles to get there. And when you catch Can a they bass, actually right, make it if there is a barrier? If there's a barrier, isn't it they're a barrier? Like how do they even get through? Oh yeah. No, they're dead. Like they don't spawn. They suck. They're like, there's a That's certain, there would be, they can't get through. Yeah. No, they can't. But, but not every system, I guess that? up and down the East coast has, is salamied up like that. But you yeah. know, the ones that are, that's just the end of the road, you know, that that's it. And that's the reality we face with a lot of our freshwater species. Um, but yeah, so they're built like a train, they go hard, but it's the terrain they take you. And you like, you'd know this better than anyone fishing for cod the way you do. But Australian bass is like, in my eyes, skinny water creeks, usually with snags on the outside, rocks and and pebbles so crystal clear water so it's not like silt and dirt and things like that mm -hmm. and overhanging trees and a rapid every few hundred meters and then out to a big pool these are some of our like quintessential rivers on the east coast where you find them and then that that will eventually work its way down to brackish water and then eventually into the salt mm -hmm. so this trip was inspired about a uh, was inspired that you referred to this this float that i did was inspired off a YouTuber, his name's Bo Miles, and I watched a video and he paddled the the um, the Georges or the Cooks River, which leads into the Georges in Sydney, in, it, in, in its entirety. So he started from where it was a, a drain and went all the way down to the beach. That's and cool. I watched this video and I was like, that is so cool to, to, to think that he saw a river from the start to the finish. So then I said, stuff it, I want to do that. But I want to I want to be tied into to fishing and sustainability. So what I said was, 
I'm going to go to my childhood river, which is the Bellingen River. Now, I know I said I grew up in Lake Macquarie, but I holidayed four times a year, every year for 15, 20 years at, at the Bellinger River, right? So I had a yep. connection to that as good as any. And I said, I'm going to paddle with my cousin from the, the second there's water in this river. So the second you can find a drop, like the, 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 the first drop of water you find in this river down to the beach. And he is just like me. And he said, we're doing it. Let's do it. So months and months of planning. And I put full credit goes to Toby and Ryan who got the maps out and figured out access points and asked private owners and things like that. And yeah. we started all the way up the top of the Bellinger and over six days out of a Canadian canoe, um, one meter wide, three meters long, uh, basically just drifted this whole thing until we started to have to paddle, you know, on day five. So did you start where you could fit the canoe in or did you, how'd you do that? Yeah. So, so the, the, the other two boys, um, who at the time had a bit of extra time off work, they hiked for three days in from the gorge all the way down to where the river literally started. And then I met them at the end of their hike where the kayak, well, the, where the canoe could fit in in terms of you know where the river was wide enough for a, cool. for a canoe to fit and so we, they we started, started at the start they started at the start start yeah and you had to walk three days to to do that properly um but i i joined on the paddle section which was well if they did a nine-day hike i did a six-day hike like paddle sorry um but the funny thing about this right so so this particular river is is renowned for bass right fantastic river we had the toughest session we've ever had on this paddle, like the toughest. Right. We went in April. Now, for anyone who knows, that's when the bass are starting to go downriver because it's getting into those cooler months and they're starting to make that run. And they, they usually time their run with a big with a big wet, you know, with a big bit of rain to get yep. them over all those rapids and things like that. So three weeks before we went, we had a big, big downpour and we reckon a lot of them went. Yep. So we, we were seeing... We we like we knew we were fishing areas where there would be twenty bass under a snag, and we were seeing ten of them just with our polarized sunnies, but we weren't catching them. They weren't even moving, and it would right. got to a point where we we so were they jumping were spawning. off. Spawning, they were just shut down and spawning. They were like, "No, nope, get out! This is my time to do my thing. I'll talk to you in a few months." You know what I mean? Whereas, had you caught, had you been there on a hot summer's day in the middle of the December, sure you would have seen five or six snakes but you're catching every single one of them bass. So it comes back to their behavioral tendencies, I guess, that they are a proper native in that they've, you know, they, you know, the, the pressure has to be right. The, the, the season has to be right. The time of year has to be right. They're very fussy, right? So it's not just a matter of going out there and you'd have this with cod and things like that. It's not just a matter of going out there and going, oh, there's a snag, I'll get him. There's so yep. many other factors that come into it. Um, so you went in April and you floated for six days and how was the trip? Do you recommend someone doing the same thing? And then did you fish for saltwater fish at the end or you kind of just paddled through the end bit? No, we did. We, we did exactly that. I recommend it. I, I, I loved it. I loved it for a few reasons. Number one, I saw a river from where it started to where it ends and I got to see every change that it, that river had over the course of six days. And that's everything from cattle grazing practices to fencing, the effect of fencing, to water quality, to the effect of tide, to what tributaries roll into it and how does that affect water quality, where are the fish stationary, where are they not, where are they moving, what snags are good, blah, blah, blah. So many different aspects about a river that I just got to soak in. And anyone who loves fishing and loves the waterways and the preservation of these waterways, well, that's just a dream, right? Like, yeah. Like that is, and it's just not even about catching a fish. Like we would wake up, we'd have bacon and egg rolls. We'd then get in the, 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 
the kayak and and fish for the first hour and a half and then we would pull up and have a swim and have some you know lunch maybe crack a beer then then you know throughout that middle part of the day you know real soak it all in take some photos blah 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 and then fish hard and then you go to sleep like the days are short and like it's it's such an experience um and sure the fishing was great like we caught bass over you know 48 centimeters you know we, we caught some big fish but we didn't catch lots of them but at the end of the trip we kind of were kind of like well that it didn't really matter. Like we still got our four or five yeah, fish yeah. a day each, but it, you, on another day, you probably would have caught, you know, a hundred fish between you a day. So, yeah. you know, you have to, I guess it depends what type of trip you want, depending on what time of year you go, but 100% I'll be doing more of them. And I recommend anyone listening to give it a crack. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the, the trip we do on the inflatable. I've done it a few times. We normally do three days uh, for the cod. So we did the ovens in summer out of the inflatable. It was just the best fun and it was hot, but you swim, you float, you see the river change. Yep. Awesome. Awesome experience. It's so good. How'd you go for like food in six days? Fit it all in? Um, we, how would you pack? Oh, like, look, how do you, what were the, what were yeah, the key there'll be people, things? There'll be- There'll be people that won't be happy here. We, we actually ate bass, which I know is probably looked down upon in sense of like it's a native fish, but we felt that we were living off the land quite literally and we, other than a gas burner, we had, you know, we had like chin, tin tuna and, you know, lettuce and things like that. We felt that we were okay to, to kill a bass and eat it because we were like, you know, we're killing one or two, you know, a day, that was it. You know, we weren't just you know, going out, we would never kill another one. So we actually sustained ourselves by eating the fish that we were fishing for, which was a nice touch too. I felt like that was a really cool yeah. way to even connect to the river even more. Um, but yeah, other than that, tin tuna, mate, you know, a few protein and bars. A tent, like a tent or what Yep. Else? So we had, we actually got, I think I got the tip off you. We, we originally had the idea to run swags. You cannot run a swag in a float. No. Never. <laughs> Like, not a chance. So, I had a, a little, uh, I forget the brand of it. It was just a little pop-up tent folded down yep. into a little kind of cylinder, you know, with a bit yep. of waterproof coating on the outside. It's nothing. It's got a fly, fly screen and a and a, and a kind of a, 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 take a mattress? rainproof. I had a self-inflating mattress that I got from just one of the local stores here. And, um, yep. yeah, that, that rolled down nice and quick. So, I mean... You, you, it's not comfortable, but you don't care because you're not expecting it to be comfortable. It's not what it's about. Well, no. comfortable enough that you get a few hours sleep. Yeah, and 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 because you depends how many beers you have, you can fall asleep pretty quick. <laughs> Is that what you did? You surely didn't no. have enough room for beers. I know on the recent drift we did, Matt took his tinny and he managed to mm. fit a lot of beers in his fridge. They just kept coming out and out and out, and that was the joy of taking a bigger boat rather than a rubber boat. But um, Reece, surely you there can is, all, there is all, always space for beers. <laughs> so did you, did you pack enough for each day, or you run out? <laughs> nah, we eventually had to get get a case dropped off by a mate. But um, you did not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no. How's funny is this? It was strategically placed days before, so we knew where we were going to go past. And someone a few days before we got to that point left it up on the bank, so they were sitting there for two days before we got there, and then. Yeah, anyway, minute detail, Reese. minute detail. <laughs> uh, like, was it private land or public reserve where he left no, it? No, no. Well, the whole river is obviously public land, but the reserve, we knew it because we grew up on that river. We knew nearly every property owner the whole way down. So right, it was so very it's easy to, property. Yeah. 
yeah, it was very easy to do that. But you know, I encourage anyone nice. that's going to do it always do your reconnaissance and know what land you, you're going on and off because there'll be some cranky private owners there at some at some point. I'm sure. Um, on the bass scene, what was the standout lure for you then, and what's the standout lure that you use personally when you do chase bass on other trips as well? Yeah, it's a great question because because the fishing was so tough, we had to change and swap and figure out what was going to work. Um, the most success we had was probably on um, a little, like crystal clear, I, I forget the, the, the brand we were using, but little shrimp, like little three-inch clear shrimp on a 136th of an ounce jig head. And right, so soft plastics. Soft plastics and a lot, and the reason is a lot of the food source up there is, is freshwater shrimp and you can scoop them at night if you wanted. Um, right. But we found that that really light jig head and that color seemed to, yeah, you would think when they're shut down like that, that you would want to get a reaction bite out of them and throw a big spinner bait on their head or something like that. But for this, no, it like wasn't the case. You we were, we were really looking for subtlety if anything, and and barely disturbing the water surface when you cast and then kind of dropping it down in their face and then just twitching it, twitching it. Because that 136 of an ounce you get is so light, you're not plummeting through the water column. You just kind of, it's just kind of floating down. And the buoyancy yeah. in the particular soft plastic that we were using meant that it was kind of evened out really nice. So it was nearly a suspending soft plastic, if you will. Um, but it took us two days to figure that out. So How first many... two days, we'll... Slow. Yeah, well, the first two days were slow, and we'll just throw in spinner baits on their head, and it just wasn't working. Well, what? Um, how many fish did you catch on the plastic? Like eighty percent. Yeah, yeah, 80 percent. Yeah, something what like that. What else did you I mean, catch like, them on? You can catch. So started throwing. Um, so started off throwing um, spinner baits with you know little curly tail grubs attached to the end of it. Realized we weren't getting a bite there. Then started throwing little vibes. So like little metal blades and vibes, thinking that we yep. could get a you know a reaction rebite. So casting it way up, um, kind of drifting it down the snag. Some of these holes are eight meters deep, you know, and then and then kind of just vibrating it up, waiting for them to get annoyed and come out and hit it. That wasn't working. Obviously, late afternoon, early morning, we're religiously throwing surface lures in the hope to get one to come up and smack it. And there are all those. Um, usually, it would be cicada imitations, but that time of year, there's none about. So we we're throwing little pencil baits and um, top water lures, like little walk the dog lures. Um, yep. scum dogs and things like that. And then by day three, we were like, right, well, we're just throwing soft plastics because that's all that's working. Right. Um, and once you figure it out, like you taught me at Windermere, once you figure it out, you know, you, you don't, you stick to it. And I learned the hard way as you about to joke about. Um, for those who have already heard the story, which I'm sure lots have listening to the podcast, uh, and me pick, uh, mentioned in the podcast with you the other day, actually, uh, and guesty, uh, we were shaking soft vibes and we were catching lots of fish on soft vibes, but Jono just stuck with a grub because Jono is Jono and just wanted to stick with the grub and had an ego to fill. And he did land the biggest fish of the day and the prior two days actually on the grub, but it was right at the end of the day when he got outfished way, way, way too many fish. The fish he caught earlier in the day was on a grub, but it was hooked in the tail. So he caught one fish. On a grub, uh, <laughs> when you probably should have changed your software, but uh, we'll leave that for another, another yeah, day, it's another a good conversation. Story. Yeah, it's yeah. A good it's story. M- so it's what? What about? about I'm I'm kind of interested from from your side of the fence. Like, obviously, you've done that recent podcast, which is a great listen, by the way, on on your story, and you had you know that two hour episode where you kind of got interviewed. So obviously, don't need to go into that. But like, in behalf of content, 
do you see, particularly for your business model, that it's that self-sufficient model is the, the one that you're going to stick with going forward? You're talking about the costs Hold- of creating the content? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Up until the up until recently, I guess you were creating, editing, producing the whole thing yourself. Uh, I actually, Dan and I, the way we do it, we actually really enjoy it because it is real. We like to create stuff real. It's us fishing. A lot of the action because it's cod based, it doesn't happen very often. So it's not feasible to have someone stand there with the camera, and even when they are. The feeling you get from the catch watching it isn't the same unless it is from point of view. And I know GoPros when they first came out are like tacky and TV shows still don't wear because you can see the camera in the shot and you got, you know, by the time we whack it over the life jacket, it blends in like you don't even realize that we're wearing it anymore, but it captures that point of view. And what I love about that point of view is that people can learn because they can put themselves in your place they can see what i'm doing with the rod they can see where i'm casting they see how i strike the whole fight plus it's really common on youtube and it's really common anywhere it's the content that people consume these days so it works i find it works really well but we mix it with the really nice shots on the good camera so we mix it with all the rest of it all the pieces to camera film with really good quality mics and audio as you would know the audio is so important to a good video like you can't have a good video with poor audio. No. Audio is the worst thing to get right. It is so painful. Yep. Once I you get it right, audio it's is good. Audio is number one for me, hundred percent. Oh, it's and it's so fickle. Like we still do shoots and we'll get home. And we're like, what happened to that bit of audio? Like it'll clip, or you'll get wind noise, or you'll get ruffle on your shirt. And if you're not, that's the problem with what we do. We don't always have someone monitoring it as well yep. as we should. So we have these problems and these issues and we've just got to sort of deal with it. But I think that it, level of th- that mistake though probably creates a little bit of um, uh, kind of authenticity to your work in the sense that people aren't expecting a... Like for example, a TV, I mean. sh- a, a TV show, you expect... Oh, if I'm watching TV and I'm seeing 28 sponsors on the screen, then your production quality has to be mint. You know, it has to be perfect. You got some of those. Some of those brands are paying six figures, so you you, you need to meet that level of expectation. Yeah. But for you, you 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 don't have that expectation. So you're, I guess, being. I, I think if I'm watching it and I'm paying a paid subscriber for Reese, I'm paying because I want the authentic content, the stuff that they're out there trying to create for me and not for the you know the whole world. Yeah, there's a borderline. Like there's a borderline. Like there's a point where it's not. It's not good to consume so you don't see it but if it's good enough we'll still put it out there because it's good content and you learn from it it might be an epic catch or something that was a really good tip so people are actually getting more benefit from it than they wouldn't if i wasn't to show it so that's i'll keep doing it the same way because we really enjoy it dan and i the way we produce it uh the way we create it the, the authenticity the fact we can do it in the inflatable we can do it where we go and then obviously the tips and that but we did just hire a video editor to jump on board jimmy and jimmy will be actually in the content as well helping us film the content but the style will not change the style will yep. be exactly the same like he's coming on a trip we're about to do literally he might just hold the when we do a scene he might be flying the drone wide or could be doing a tight shot to get more cutaways but the production will still be the same instead of doing the cutaways after so the close-up shots instead of going right let's do all the tight shots of showing the reel and that we'll have them done quicker so it's really going to be the same situation but yeah no i i love the way we do it it works really well 
it does help having someone else who's fishing there with you who's just as passionate about creating content. It's very hard to do it solo, like completely solo. I agree. There's there's a certain there's a certain friend or a certain mate that gets invited on those trips because the it can take the Oh, let's say it how it is. It can take the fun out of it sometimes. If you get a really cool fish and you need to portray that fish to camera, it might mean doing it might mean it might mean doing that that action two or three times to get it right. For example, or holding that fish in five different well, angles the holding and putting situation. it in the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then fish can die and it stresses me out and that's just not that Exactly. Fun. We have a so, we have a way of doing it now. We have a way of doing it with different camera angles, but they're more GoPro angles than your big camera. I do sort of close-ups in the net and then I'll put it on the tripod and that's it. It is what it is, but the GoPro yeah. sort of fills in those shots. But don't you reckon that level of chaos when that fish hits the deck and you know you've got about four minutes to create all this content before that fish needs to go back in? Obviously, it's getting drunk, like drinks in the water every minute in between that but you know you can't have that fish on your deck for 15 minutes so you gotta go okay we've just landed a fish that we've really really wanted and we know it's going to create unreal content and we've got four minutes to execute what we've been planning for about 10 just weeks what it is. let's go yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. Yeah, i love that i reckon yeah. that's awesome i'd love like to that's spend the fun time part. with them but you've only got so much time yeah with well because you, you're filming like it's like i said i say to the guys all the time like God, this is hard. Like, if we were like, you can't act it again. It's like, did you get that? Like, did the audio yeah. work? Did you get it? Oh, it didn't. Did you get it? Do it it's again. Like, yeah, I think it's like, no, nah, it's gone now, mate. Do it again. It's well, gone. for example, we did a scene. We went to White Angler recently, and we did a like one of the boys wrote a note. I've got it stuck on the wall here because it's cool. Because there's no service, so we went with a team. There's six of us in all different. Like, there's more six boats, seven boats. There's 14, 15 of us, and we all head yeah. out. And you catch fish or you don't catch fish. You like wonder how they went. And then you pass someone, you pull up like on the river and you go, how'd you go? You got one, didn't get one. And until everyone gets back to camp at lunch or mid morning, they're all, everyone tells everyone. So no service. Yeah. So we got back to day, got back to camp, sorry, on the Sunday, on the last day. And a few of the boys left. So they headed off before we got back to camp. We're not going to know for two more days whether they caught a fish that morning. They're not going to know what we caught for the rest of the trip. So Jake has written this note and he goes, uh, missed a big one, my fault spewing massive over 120 wrote this whole thing but i read it so i read the note it was on the back of a receipt with the black texter it's cool it's going to be in the video and it's sitting on the the container and he's got two tin cans sitting on it and i walked up to like the kitchen bench thing like the trestle table i was like why are there two cans they were there because i put them on mine i'm like who's put them on the tub but they were random and i read this story i was like i've got to get dan's reaction so we were he was already mic'd up from something we did so i went and did a video with him down on the shoreline and then just walked up and got him seeing it, spotting it, reading it, the reaction. And we finished yeah, the scene. Yeah, nice. Yeah, but I finished the scene and I forgot to hit record. Oh, so he had to do it again. No, well, you can't. You, and, and you can't do that again. We don't do that. Like everything we do is real. We don't. And I said, it, 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 I said, like, this isn't like acting. We're literally sharing fish that we catch, sharing what we say. Like, obviously, when we do a scene, if you say the wrong word, you can just say that again, like a tip or a demo. Yeah. But when we create the vlogs and what happens and the moments, you can't. And he's like, you idiot. And yeah, I missed it. So I had to do it with somebody else. So I did it with Jimmy when he came up, but it wasn't the same. So you'd never yeah. recreate that? Is that like a rule that no, you've you got? No, you can't. Like you never... cannot do it. It cannot do it. It just, it's rubbish. So I don't do it. None of our content is fake. It's all, that's why I don't do underwater yeah. shots anymore. I used to do underwater shots of our fish 
like to show the underwater part of them coming up to net. But we don't do it anymore. But it's not we real. Just, it, no, we, it's just ours is just real now. Whatever happens, happens. If yeah. we pick up a camera during the fight and someone happens to get a tight shot as it comes in, that's the tight shot that goes with it. Most of the time, our hookups are the fish and what happens, like the actual fight and the raw emotion when yeah. it's the net and it's just the back go. As you know, you saw it at Windermere. It was literally yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When you were fighting the yellow, I'd run back. The camera was right there. Boom, I'm up. I'll do tights over your shoulder. Do you fight net? And then boom, in the net. And then you obviously talk. Like you got time to set yourself up to do the scene with the yeah. fish and then let it go and then do the tip after or whatever it is. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's, it. it's, it's, I can kind of visualize what, what you're talking about there. But I think a part of, uh, a part of your kind of, your DNA there with social fishing is the authenticity like you've been touching on. You'll never recreate something or, or whatnot. And if anyone thinks that doesn't happen in, in you know, national TV programs, they're kidding themselves, you know, like sometimes yes. you might have to net a fish twice and that's, you know, I don't think anyone's hiding that. It's just a part no, of no. create, you're creating a show and, you know, you're just like story, yep. neighbors or, you know, the voice or whatever you want to, they do takes five, six, seven, eight times just sort of fishing shows. Yep. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So no, it's 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 cool to hear Different. that insight. I reckon it's I reckon it's great. Um, moving on, I have a couple more questions. So we covered a bit about bass. Um, what, why, why this back to sort of Jono and the industry. We didn't really talk about the fishing industry as a whole, but we sort of talked about why we enjoy creating content. Mm. What draws you? You talked about you know you do it because you love it and you fell into this passion and whatever. But but why? Like why, I think you touched on a little bit before about that the, when you go out and film, it was the challenge and it felt good, but what, why the podcast? Why, yeah, so why there's, creating content? There's a few things, there's a few why things presenting? that really kind of get. Because you present yeah. that's maybe not fishing related. That's, like you're at the boat show for, for boat stuff. Like why those things? It's funny. In the last probably 12 to 18 months, I've found other things that get me excited within this industry that aren't like fishing. So my name is not associated with being a gun fisher, right? So when people think of Reese Creed, they think one of Australia's best freshwater anglers, right? And people, you, you're modest, you won't agree, but people, that, that's what Reese Creed, he catches big Murray cod and you know what I mean? Uh, Lubin Pfeiffer, big Murray cod. Cole Bolesky, well, he can catch anything he wants. That guy travels the country fishing. Michael Guest, fishing. Steve Starling, fishing. Right, you get what I mean? People associate yep. these people with catching fish. I don't... That's not what my name is associated with. So, And I realized that from an early age. Is that age because you're not good of, at it or you, you don't you don't care? Or you, uh, don't, you spend more time in no, the presenting world than the fishing world as a choice? It was a, a combination of everything. Number one, doing the law degree, I didn't my fishing time slowed up, right? So yeah. it meant that the hours weren't dedicated to getting those runs on the board. But that's not to say I back myself to be as good as angler as any of those people if I put the same amount of time into it, if that makes sense, right? So, you know, that's Maybe. obviously... yeah, Maybe. You, you, know, you know what I mean. Like, that's I've seen you this, chase Yellow Belly. There's skilled people out there, but like there's people that just have it, you, you know, yeah. like, and then there's people that... that then go ahead and you've got to have time though you've got to have that's time what i mean right? like you can't you've got to it. you've got to and i like i'll tell you right now in the last three months i've fished four times so that gives you an indication of how yep. much fishing is getting done in my life right now because of just work right and we'll get to that in a sec but like so i realized that early on and i went okay well it's funny because i get just an, a, a biggest kick out of presenting. And when I mean presenting, I mean 
communicating something I'm doing or a difficult concept or a, a, a funny line or a brand spec and technique or whatever it is and delivering that on camera within one or two takes smoothly, confidently and something that someone on the other end can consume. And I was like, I get when, when the cameraman is all set up and he says action or he didn't say action, that's just figurative, but he goes, yep, yeah, recording. Yeah, clap, we're rolling. You know, yeah, clap. You're, you're, you're clapping is syncing everything up. And then it's it's over to me. And at times, like for in the boat show, I had four or five people behind the camera just now watching me or when I did a, I did a series for Plano and I've done stuff for, for Berkeley or if I'm in Guesty and he's holding the camera, one of the GoPros or something like that, and it's just on you the biggest adrenaline rush you'll ever have. Like unreal because it's like, you like that. That's what you love. Love, that love that, love that, bit. love that bit. No. Yeah. So, so when someone says, okay, we're rolling and it's like, okay, here we go. I do my little thing, my routine. I do something with my mouth. I clap my hands. I go, okay. Do you like, really? Relax. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's just, that's just, you got to get something that, you know, gets yeah, you ready. Yeah, cool. That, You've that got a routine. It. Nice. So it's kind of like, okay, we're ready to go. <clears throat> I'll always clear my throat and then just get straight into it. And that first line is just such an adrenaline kick to me. So it wasn't until I kind of found that passion that I probably ventured away from the actual fishing. Now, let's, let's not be mistaken here. Fishing is my core passion yes. here still. But there is yes. this, again, this undertone of really liking presenting other things, right? So at Ozfish we started a podcast called Ozcast and it is about interviewing scientists who knows who fishery scientists who know things about our fish and our waterways but yep. just have written it in scientific papers right so when this started and I was the interviewer and I was podcasting just like you're doing to me now I'm interviewing them in person and I started to have these conversations with these geniuses who've got 30 to 40 year careers on some really technical issues around our our fisheries and I was, I was asking them questions that they had never been asked before. I was asked, I was like drawing out information from them that they, I could see their reaction and go like, Oh, great question. You know what I mean? That was such a kick, you know, to, to phrase something in a way that someone who's been talking about this topic for 30 to 40 years to then be phrased it in a way that triggers a different answer from them was something I really enjoyed. And I was kind of like, right, well, I love I love fishing. That will always be the case. And I love talking about fish and the health of our waterways, but I really love communicating that where it be written, podcasting, on camera, interviews or TV or streaming, whatever that might be. But that's kind of where my passion is at the moment. And in the fishing know, world or just in general? In the, well, in the, fi- in the fishing environmental world, I'm not going to go do it yeah. about, you know, Denel's direct or something ridiculous. You know, I'm talking so about So I won't like, see you on getaway um, in, in, in a five years time. No. No, look, I'm not going to say no, but what I guess what my, my passion yes. is at the moment is chatting about fish kills, carp viruses, uh, uh, desnagging of the Murray-Darling Basin, you know, the introduction of carp and redfin and things like that, really deconstructing those topics and creating longer form content and interviews around that. So you say to me, your question, your initial question was, okay, so what, why fishing? What, what is it about this industry you like? Yep. The, the, the simple answer to that is that... We have some uh, some realities that we have to face in this industry around the future and health of our rivers, which means a lot of the stuff that people are enjoying right now is not going to be around in 100 or 200 years' time if something's not fixed. We have a lot of smart people doing something about it at the moment, but there's a serious gap and divide between the wreck fishing community and those scientists. 
there's a lack of trust due to things like marine parks and things like that. But then there's also a serious lack of, you know, I guess communication between the two. So, so we as the wreck fishing community can understand what they're working on. And again, just like I did with the halfback analogy earlier, I recognized there was a gap there and there was no one bridging that gap. And I've, I've really taken it upon myself to try bridge that gap. Um, and at the moment, that's where my headspace is at. My headspace is at, okay, what's something that needs to be spoken about and how can I get onto the right person and interview them and get content out there? Like you're getting content out to your members every week. I try to get content out to the rec fishing community to give them something a little bit different. And I guess you just say, okay, Jono, what do you want to be known for if you're not known for the guy who catches Mega Mario Cod? I want to be guy to, I want to be known as the guy who's helping the rec fishing community be better educated on fish biology, fish ecology, and environmental issues. Very well said. Very well said, mate. That, that was, was a long-winded answer. Yeah. No, no, that was good. <laughs> I like, I like. That was very, and it was very, you can tell you're passionate about it, if that makes sense. Mm. That's what I mean and by well And that's said. the important part like, for me. It I had, am, it had something behind it. that. Yeah. So that's, mm. and that's that, as well as the presenting aspect and the fishing aspect all together. Because yeah. you know how you, you just said you get that buzz when it's like, right, oh, boom, boom clear your throat, go. Yeah. I don't think I get the same feeling out of that that you do, but I love, because to me, you know, like you said, you've got to, like fishing is this amazing thing, but I've built these layers that I've surrounded myself with of fishing, but it's not directly being on the water casting. Like I've done nowhere near as much fishing as I could have. I've created content to help people. I've, videoed fishing you know we're doing a podcast about it. like to me this is the world of fishing you and i are chatting right now yes about it's, fishing. it's not fishing yeah i get it i love what you're saying i love what you're Writing. saying it's not it's not the casting of the lure in the water which is the fishing right it's the fishing industry it is the the conversations at the pub the conversations now it's the blog articles yeah. the fishing magazines the people you meet everything put together the yeah, traveling the there no no the traveling on the trips even though it's not still fishing you know, and, and, and what I've able to, what we've been able to build with what we do here with SF is help people fish, but then I also get enjoyment out of that whole thing. But you know, you're talking about that moment of presenting. I, I've actually found a video today. I showed it to Jimmy because he's editing stuff of one of my first, and it was a memory of mine, one of my first videos I ever filmed presenting when I started to build a tutorial series, which was like way back before it ever become a thing. It was like the first of five renditions of it of what it was gonna be it is trash it is yeah you'll, i have to show you i have to show you no it's like bad bad and people go oh you're really good at talking to a camera how do you do it you, you know you know what you're gonna say yeah i could when i first spoke on stage i was petrified like any other human being it's the it's the biggest fear of humans is public speaking no fear yep. at all now and presenting it was terrible but getting back to it i actually like the creation of of something, I get more out of the entire c- creation of what we're building. This, the, the producing more than the actual being in it and talking. I love the whole right. We do this with this. We take this shot here. I can see that would work well yeah. there. Boom, put it all together. Same with the design yep. of a website or the graphic design and the layout of an article. It's funny, but that how we probably both, comes back to why you're at, you're able to you're able to do what you're doing now because of that. Because what you're doing right now is you're doing the role of a yeah, you're a, you're a, what do you, whatever you want to call yourself. You're a chief, you're a chief executive of, of a brand. And I wouldn't be that. I, I would, I don't have that skill set in the sense that I, you can envisage how something's going to look from the second you 
you come up with the idea. What's the landing page going to look like? What's the graphics? How are we going to present this? Is this in a series? How am I going to monetize this? Blah, 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 right? That, that's your brain. And you probably get a kick out of seeing that come to life. Yeah. Um, and, and that's producing, that, like, with yeah. me, it was the whole story rather than, yeah, I'm on camera. That's, that's just a part of it. Like, I love it. But yeah. Whereas, keep going with what you were saying. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's it's such a good point. Like that whole idea of for anyone listening, find the thing that gets you that kick like gives you the kick. And if it's if it's casting a lure at a snag, I hate to say it, that's not going to unless you're in that, you know, five or six anglers in Australia who are who can make a living off that because they're either tournament anglers or they have a YouTube following which is quite significant. That's you. You can't do much with that. You've got to have a passion for the all the rest of it. The the travel, the writing, the communication of it, the storytelling of you know the graphics, all of that coming together. And that's that's what I recommend you have fallen into. To add to that, the I feel the biggest thing in being successful with something is helping others. When you do it for yourself, it only goes so far. I believe to be successful and to achieve something like we have. In the fishing world, you you have to serve others. Like that's just my belief. Um, I've read it a lot. I've I've learned it a lot. If you are serving others, plus you'll get more fulfillment out of it. It, it. There's a lot of people. You know, you could go do like I could have instead of spending half as much time learning how to video edit, create a website. I could have fished. I could have caught way more cod. Like I've given up. I remember through that age of 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, I gave up so much time instead of fishing full days i literally sat on the riverbank or we sat by the river or by a boat and filmed lure demos to put together videos and it was kind of a learning process to get where we are today so i just i just for people listening you've got to take that bit of advice yeah i like it i, I think that's something that uh you will be known for looking back on too mate you should be proud of that that you're, you're building a community and i genuinely hope social fishing one day is as big as you want it to get because i can see the value in it it's content. It's education. And that's education for me is the buzzword for the next 10 years. If you think about it, right? Yeah. If you think about it, if you're not so if you want to if you want to learn how to fish, you've got to be educated, right? But my big thing when it comes back to that whole sustainability and things like that, you can't help or you can't do something about something if you don't know the issue in the first place. So yeah. let's take the fish kills, for example. You know, my, when you say giving back, you know, I, I'm not giving back literally, but I feel as though the more people that I can influence to understand that is giving about back. the fish kills, yeah, then they will know a little bit more about what causes it or the, a little bit more about diverting water out of our main systems or a little bit more about the effect of carp or whatever it is, which I think in the long run is going to benefit them. Um and I get a real kick. I probably get the most kick when someone says, oh, I listened to that podcast and I learned this. That's fantastic. So you're running two podcasts, one at work, yep. one with Guesty. Yep. And do you get the same kick out of the podcast as you do presenting? You know how you talked about that one, two, three, bang, comes yeah. on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it the same or is it same, same, but different? It's same, same, but different. The difference is I have no idea what I'm going to talk about a minute before me and Guesty go live. Best part. No idea. We don't script a thing. So why did you ask me for dot points for this one? You should have known I was going to tell you no. Yeah, probably because I wanted to 
respect the platform a little bit. I didn't know where you wanted it to go and, and what your members wanted to get out of this, for example. But I I know my demographic on ours. Slim pickings know. I had, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and with Guesty, for example, like we will sit down at the desk, catch up for five minutes because we kind of treat that dribble. as our, our, our... Yeah, we dribble for a bit. And then we'll go... I was like, you ready? And he goes, yep. I said, yeah, recording. What do you want? What do you want to chat about? Snapper, cool. What, what technique? Cool. Let's do that. Righto. G'day and welcome to the Real Action Fishing Podcast. And and then I have no idea what I'm going to say. I don't know what stories, anecdotes, you know, nothing. And then that yeah. gives me a kick that I think there's a real skill in thinking on your feet. And I, yes. I learned that in law school. You know, one of the things you do in law is mooting, right? And and mooting is fake fake courtrooms. So you go into a courtroom with a fake judge and a fake client and a fake case, and you argue way through it looking at a set of issues and you think on the spot and when you get asked, you know, we, we did a fair few of them um, in first and second year, particularly. And then I did a couple in, in third and fourth. And it's the same thing. It's thinking on your feet and not looking like an idiot. So if Guesty says something and rounds out a sentence and he's not going to carry on with that, or if my guest in Ozcast finishes his sentence and I don't have a question lined up, you look like an idiot. So you've got to come up with something <laughs> and come up with something pretty quickly to, to make that conversation flow and, and, and flow is what it makes every conversation worth listening to. So, you know, that, that, that's a, a kick in itself is that. And, um, I hope people, you know, can see the effort I put in on Guesty's podcast and Ozcast to make sure that flow comes through because I act as the mediator on that platform, I guess you could say, you know, Guesty's yeah. the, the encyclopedia of fishing knowledge and, and we'll have a guest maybe like yourself a month ago and I try bridge the gap and get that conversation flowing and no one's there listening to me to learn how to catch a fish, you know, people are there listening so Guesty can say his part, you can say your part, I can offer a little bit of insight into something else and then I can bridge it all together. That's kind of my role and I enjoy it and I know my role and that's the important part, I think. So what Jono is saying, if you're keen to start a podcast, then you have to learn how to think quick and come up with questions on the spot. But if you suck at it, you can just cut cut it and just stitch it together because it's not live. Yeah, you if can you're not, as, if, you're not if you're not up to speed with what John O'Sane man, super quick because there's no cuts in his because he's that good at it, uh, you can cut and stitch it together like we had to do for a battery change just before. Yeah, you can you can cut it and stick it together, no problem. I think there's I think <laughs> I'm uh, from a business perspective, no, but there, but there's podcasts that do it and and it is a good point. You can there's plenty of ways around a lot of the things we do, like your videos. People could make your videos, I guess with, you know, all the underwaters and things that you were talking about it, but you've chose not to because you want a certain production quality in your videos. I guess it's the same with us. We could we could do our podcast, you know, ten or fifteen different ways, but we take decide too to long. do it raw. Take too long. From a from a business perspective. It's Imagine me editing that for to. five, six hours every single time. So Yeah, no. Yeah, it's not exactly. as good to listen to. But all I was saying is if you're not up to speed with being super on that, then you could do that if you're not as good as Jono. Mate. I've got a couple more questions for you because we're nearly done. Uh, one in particular, yep. do you have a memorable catch in particular? Fish, does one pop to mind if I say what's one catch you really remember a moment, a special moment? It doesn't have to be fresh. I know this is a freshwater podcast. Um, you're largely salt-based. Yeah. Does one pop yeah. to mind a moment, a moment in fishing or maybe two? Give me a moment in fishing. You don't have to elaborate on it. Um, go into a little bit of detail. Maybe a moment in you probably already told us the moment in your growth 
as who you are as a content creator, it, it, I don't know if there one pops to mind more than the the fact Guesty texts you or the podcast. I think Starlo at Windermere, mate. Like that to me was being being able to sit down and set up a portable podcast in a cabin in Windermere with yourself. Really? And Starlo. Yeah, no, but yeah, but right. how that converse, how that conversation evolved. So, you know, it's it, it was a moment in itself where we sat down again, had no real idea what we we're going to chat about, and for an hour, we just me, you, and Starlo just chatted, right? And yep. the conversation went to places that was so interesting for me. It's still one of our most downloaded podcasts on the platform. Really? And cool. Yeah, because I, I, I cut that up into all these different reels. And I think Dan was sitting behind the camera, uh, your colleague and, and now business owner was sitting behind the camera and monitoring the battery levels. And I think he said at the end of it, something along the lines of that was so enjoyable to listen to. And yeah, yeah, yeah we didn't really think intrigued. that at the top. Yeah, yeah, we we didn't think that at the time because we were just chewing the fat, I guess. But I think when I left that that trip, I was driving home and went, "That is the recipe to a good content piece." Was what getting everyone in a comfortable environment, um, sitting down, making sure everyone's good to go, and then just after fishing, just yep. after fishing, and and just. Having had a bit of success, but not heaps, so we had enough to debrief, but not getting super technical that it bores people, but then not brushing over the facts that people don't get anything out of it. And I don't know if you, I just thought that was a real, a real moment in my interviewing kind of phase where I went, cool, that's the recipe. And I've, I've ever since then, I've wanted to replicate it, but I haven't yet. I want to get a new project off the ground, which would essentially introduce a third podcast into my life. But I think it's one that's, um, the industry is missing which is is chatting like what we've done today on people in the industry and their thoughts and views and successes not about fishing but about how they got to where they did you know just a one-off special type thing um but yeah that's just that and that that interview we did with Starlo triggered it um fishing wise what did we talk about with him we talked about him with uh we talked about fishing we talked about the session at Windermere then what did we roll into the second half we're just talking about random facts and things yeah and rolled into if you could only fish if you could only fish fresh or salt water for the rest of your life what would it be and why what's yeah. the hardest fighting freshwater fish what was the evolution of braid and monofilament and, yeah. and leader material and lures and and trends and then we talked about trends and, and fish yeah going shy and then you got starlo's history with my very short history and sort of more recent knowledge on fishing compared to his going back to back ages no that exactly. was that was exactly yeah it, it did you we it's should share chat. with people that it took longer to set this dumb setup up than it did to actually record it back exactly. and forth and, and batteries dying and then cameras everything and, did Bat- you have a camera at that stage or was it all my camera gear no that you inspired me to get this camera off the back of that trip so no i didn't have a camera it was your camera gear it was a, it was a big team effort um you and, had the lights yeah, and like the you, podcast gear yeah exactly anyway so so that was probably one in the podcasting world that really kind of triggered me um into to kind of do more around that space fishing wise you know like you with your cod the fish i grew up targeting was flattered and in lake macquarie I managed to 96 and a half just shy Ooh, of 97 centi- centimeter flatted, which is a mega mega fish and it was it was on a wreck that i'd fished you know my whole life and was in a technique that i've done my whole life and it was in a morning on a cold winter's morning before work and i was with a mate and it just felt awesome 
like the whole the, the whole the way it all came together was just if I was going to catch a fish in that manner it was going to be in that way and I just that that to me whenever I think what's your most memorable catch it's that because I even know there's plenty of really good anglers that haven't managed to catch a flathead that big and I'm not saying I did it because of skill but I just you know I did it in my home water in an area that I know and yeah it felt really good to be able to put those pieces together um what did he and then presenting wise soft vibe 100 mil soft vibe um yeah. shimmer sh- uh shimmer fork um yeah ginger ninja color 15 yeah. pound you, braid that, 10 pound you realize off. that's what I caught all those yellows on that day that exact color yeah <laughs> yep thanks mate as maybe it would have would have done would have done so much luck for you maybe it went on yellows um yes and then presenting wise <laughs> yeah presenting wise look you know I, I it's I'm in, I'm in such an infancy of my career if you want to call it that so I don't want to pin too much on one moment but I think I think there was a moment um on the Namboida River shooting a little documentary for the Eastern Freshwater Cod and. It was a community day combined with a content day. So there was probably 30 people up on the riverbank fishing and restoring trees and things like that. And then I was there to create a little doco around it. And obviously these fish are protected, but we had permits um, from New South Wales DPI to, to film them. If, if we we had basky there, but if we happened to hook one, we could film it, which you, you know, yep. you're not meant to do. And... I, in my the back of my head, I really wanted to catch one. I was like, I'm hell-bent on seeing one of these things in the flesh because they're endangered and they've been functionally extinct for a long, long time. And anyway, went out there with the Basque with the camera crew and got an 87, which for an Eastern cod is a big fish, like a very You big or fish someone in, did? No, I got it. Yeah, yeah. In in Off the back of a snag on a three-inch Nemesis soft plastic and a one-twelfth of an ounce to get and managed, managed to get it out. And... um. That'd be anyway, bigger so, than any Murray cod you've ever caught, I reckon. Yeah, it is. That absolutely it is. Yeah, and it was on two to four kilo rod with a two thousand size reel and six pound braid and ten pound leader because you have golly. to fish with basky. You, you legally can't you can't fish any heavier. So well, you could just. But anyway, so I had thirty people there at the camera crew there, and I had a fish that was considered endangered, and you're not allowed to lift it out of the water. And I had to get I had a few pieces to camera that I needed to get with this fish. So I've caught this fish and I've come into a nearby rock bar, maybe 50 meters away. And I'm in the water, fully submerged up to my um, my chest, holding the fish in the water with a glove on and a wet rag under my hand, right? Swimming it, making sure it's all good. Meanwhile, the cameraman is getting set up, making sure there's a boom mic because I couldn't wear a mic in the water like that. He's got a boom mic ready to go. I've got an assistant holding that. And naturally, a whole crowd starts to kind of venture behind the crew. And I'm seeing them come in going, like, like, Go away. like this, this is going to, yeah. yeah, like I want, like, can we, I want to get this alone. done and I want to get it done right. And pressure is mounting. Anyway, go. yeah, they hadn't like the, in this particular stretch of river, a fish that big hadn't been caught for years and years. And again, not out of skill. I just happened to put the right cast in and I'm holding a very big endangered fish in an area where you're not meant to catch them. I got the permit. Let me just make that clear for everyone listening. And I've got to deliver a line around the issues that have made this fish suffer. Yep. And I've got, to re- I've got to release this fish because I've got program managers looking at me as to how long I've got this fish in my hands for, right? So I think when I look back on it, <clears throat> I, I had the fish, I did the, <clears throat> did the throat clear, couldn't rub my hands together, but it was kind of like, okay, let's go, ready? <laughs> and I delivered like this, I delivered like this, you know, 
you know, the privilege of holding this fish is amazing. For the last hundred years, this, you know, there's been de-snagging and, and barriers built and blah, blah, blah. And this fish grows to this long and this length. And, you know, at the moment it's considered this. And I got it in first, first go. And then in the same take, zero cuts, I released the fish and it kicked off and splashed in my face. And then I kind of turned the camera and just did like a big fist pump like that and went, and that's what it's all about type thing. Like a real cringe, like Steve Irwin type thing. And everyone in the background, when Cody said cut and kind of went, we've got it. Like we got it in the bag. Everyone in the background just was like, yes. Like yes. that was so sick. And it was such a cool moment for me. Cause I was just kind of like, oh, like that was really cool. And to me, you know, talk about adrenaline, whatever you want to call it. That was one of the best kind of moments you could feel when you put it nice. together like that. Nice. Yeah. So they're, they're my highlights. Cool. Awesome highlight. I can see that there's a bit of emotion behind that. Just telling the story, mate. That's cool. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, finish us off because we've gone for a lot longer than I thought we would, but I should have expected that interviewing you. Where, where, where do you see the industry going? Where do you see you going in the industry? What I want your honest Jono, I want you to share and open everything to me right now. What is mm. your, where do you see yourself in two years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? What's, what's the 10 year outlook for you? Don't, you don't have to tell me all your secrets and your project yep. secrets because people might steal them on you, but um, no, more, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself? I don't want a vague answer because I know what you're like. You're very ambitious. You, you're driven. You are passionate about what you do. Your brain does not stop. Very similar to me. You're always thinking about new ideas, new things. I know who you are. You've obviously thought about the next, maybe even five years. Or have you yeah. not? Yeah, yeah. No, no, have I you thought? I mean, please. <laughs> You're talking to me. Come on. Yeah. I mean, if I, t- if I turn the camera here, uh, you might be able to see it in, in the corner of this camera. I've got planners and whiteboards surrounding me right now. Do you? Ideas and plans. So, yeah. So, um, are they shareable I'm or are they secret? Oh, I mean, you could walk into my room and see them. They're just, you know, they're just. Um, a lot of them just have content shoots and days on there, but then they've got little stars on there, which indicate, you know, at this point in time, I want to be at this location or this, at this point in time, I want the podcast to have this many listeners or at this point in time. And they're just little like things. So when you get to that date and you see a little star on there, you go, okay, am I on track? And if I'm not on track, then how can I get back on track? If that makes sense. So I'd be, I'd be, I'd be interested to see a, well, I'm sure people would be interested. I am fascinated about that stuff. So I'd be super keen to see how you lay it out because Mine's probably very similar, mixed in with a painting from my three-year-old. But yeah, yeah. Well, essentially, same it's a, stuff. It's it's a yearly plan. I'll, I'll paint the picture because it's a podcast, and one thing I have learned is there's a lot of people that will be listening to this on the audio platform. But it's essentially a a twelve-month um, day by day calendar, financial year to financial year, and it's not it's not dated, so you can rub it all out and reuse it year to year. And then I've, is it a whiteboard? Yep, and I've added added in all the dates. And then I've basically set in the corner a few goals on there that I want to achieve in terms of some of the projects I'm working on. So things like how many downloads for particular episodes, how many guests interviewed through to uh, projects off the ground, through to reputation or whatever. It can be and it, it can be exercise, whatever you want. And then I just draw a little in a red, I have different colors, and I draw a little, I just do a star on 
you know, incremental, incrementally throughout the year on different weeks or bi-monthly or monthly or whatever it is, quarterly, doesn't matter. You choose your increments. And when I get to that day, because I cross every day off, I just, I just have to go, okay, what was that star there for? And then I go up to the, the corner where I've written all the goals out and I go, okay, let's do a quick analysis of to, am I on track to reach that goal? And for example, the podcast, I wanted to get to X amount of listeners on, I wanted to get a really nice base basis on. And, you know, uh, last year I realized we were nearly there, but not quite going to get there. And I thought, right, what aren't we doing? And I wasn't filming the podcasts. So when I got to the star and I was like, right, not going to hit that goal. Got to do something about it. I went and bought a camera, got onto you, Greece, can we call for two hours? How do I use it? And figured out how to edit on Adobe Premiere Pro and how to do nine by 16 ratios and add captions and things like that. And, you know, two weeks, a week effort. Now we're filming the podcast and, you know, each each reel on, on the podcast is getting, you know, five to 15,000 views. And we noticed that we're getting more views from when that date and I started doing that. Yep. So, you know, completely off topic. And for people... No, that no, I was going to ask but, you... I was going to exactly ask you, what happens if you don't hit the goal? Like, just go, oh, move on. But you pretty much just answered my question. Like, you assess, why didn't I hit that goal? And I was going to say, do you always hit your goal? But that's obviously... No. If you're hitting your goals, your goals aren't ambitious enough. So, another one might be, um, uh, for example, for Ozcast, you know, one of my goals would be, uh, okay, uh, what type of guests have... Like, what, you know, for... Are you... What level of guests are you interviewing at the moment? Are you interviewing program managers, which are kind of maybe just out of uni five to, are you interviewing doctors or um, people with masters or things like that? Or are you interviewing the best of the best in the industry in that particular platform? And you can do an assessment on look at, look at your episode list. No, we're not quite there yet. We're not getting the most credible names. And it comes back to wanting to offer that the, the highest level of credibility I can for the people listening. So, because that's that's the best source of education you're going to get. And then, okay, we're not, right? Who do I need to talk to? My boss and who at work can help me get there and then you change that. So they're all different examples for people that like organizing their life in that way. But back to your question, the buzzword... Wait, wait, before the- you go on, before you go on, just so I've got a question about what you're talking about. Your planner, right? It's got every single day of a calendar year you write on the days. There's no data so you can wipe it out. Do you do it at the start of the year? Do you go like the 10th of January we're into a new year, right? Let's plan the entire year or do you kind of just plan a little bit, plan three months, plan three months and then on top of that, do you only look 12 months ahead or do you have a, do you have a 24, 36, 48 month goal which is kind of back to that question which you're going to answer in a sec. So... Yeah, so the planner itself is only 12 months and that's that's primarily due to short-term goals, whatever you want to call it. Just making but they're sure small that... Ones. They're small ones. Small. They're, they're, they're achievable, small, bite-sized type goals, right? So oh, I had one on there to run a marathon, right? I wanted to run a marathon this year. And yeah. that, you know, th- these aren't just work-related. They're, they're physically related too or whatever you want to... Whatever category of your life you want to better at. <coughs> then... Um, yeah, I think we're talking about COVID. It's come back. L- listening to you, man. <laughs> That's because um, this is a two-way audio. That can be muted. No problem at all. Which oh, you know, so no one, no one's aware of that you're coughing, right? Okay. Um, yeah, I'll mute that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one wants to listen to that. Holy do No. Well, Reece, for people that think I'm just completely interrupting a good conversation, Reese was coughing, and I was wondering if everyone could hear it. Um, if you might have then to get leave a, that one in there for everyone to have yeah, a chance to. Yeah, at, le- at least leave one in there. Um, the, to, to then, 
extend that beyond 12 months. I don't write anything down, but if you're a, if you're a, if you're like me and probably like you, you don't need to write that stuff down to know where your, where your North star is as to where you want to go. Um, you know, you kind of know when you get to the end of that calendar year and you're wiping it out and you're writing new goals, how I look at it is your short-term goals should just be stepping stones to the bigger goal. So every every time you write a little star in there, that goal should help the, the, the end goal. If you were to ask me what my end goal is, I think the buzzword in the next decades, the word sustainability. Every business in Australia is starting to get a sustainability program. Look at the sustainability pre- um, place in terms of what they're doing and how they're benefiting it acknowledging that it's a problem and we need to do something about it. And if you were to ask me, right, where do you want to be there? I want to be placed, excuse me, I want to be placed as that person who's communicating and delivering that content. My what ideal content? Goal, sustainability means sustainability for no, more environmentally or the business? No, no, no. Environmental sustainability, right? right? So fishing brands will start to change the way they package. Um, people will start buying brands that are supporting restoration projects, things like that, right? So I know that's a vague answer and you want specifics. My goal, Reese, at the moment in the next five years... Five years, yeah. ...is to produce and present a 10-part documentary series for Netflix or any of the big streaming platforms based around... And the title would be called The Demise of Australian Rivers. And it's 10 parts, each, each given a different category of an issue that we've faced. So desnagging, introduction of um, invasive species, uh, riparian zone destruction, um, weirs and impoundments, et cetera, et cetera. There's 10 of them that I've identified and yep. present a, you know, a 10 part series on that deconstructing every issue across an hour and a half episode and telling the story, which is one of the best stories you'll ever hear in terms of how much damage we've done in the last 150, 200 years to Australian waterways and telling that in a really, really you know, effective and engaging way. And I want to be at the forefront of that. I want to be the person interviewing, producing and running the whole ship for that particular doco series. Very nice. And I think, I think and if for anyone wanting a good example, go on Netflix tonight or whenever you're listening to this and look at the documentary called Ancient Apocalypse. It's presented by a journalist who documents this um, idea that 12,600 years ago, there was a mass event that killed every civilization on the world and we've started from scratch then, right? Yep. And he does this 12-part 12, 12 series brilliantly. And I've taken that model and gone, we need to do that on the demise of Australian rivers. And cool. that would, I would love to bring that to life. And it's a huge project. It would take 18 months, two years More. to execute. Yep. Yeah, and it would take ages. 18 months, two years to, to um, even get the funding and planning for it. But that that's a goal. So, 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 um, you know how you talk about little goals reach the big goals. Obviously, the little goals you're working on now aren't directly physical labor towards that goal at the minute how do you get yourself there how do you get yourself there in five years like have you got a plan that you you can execute to actually get to that point yeah well they are so if you think about it everyone that i'm interviewing on oscast and the real action podcast they they will have a contact and a role to play in that story. So I can already tell you the, the people that I want for every episode and that will continually change. Everything I'm learning and reading and studying in my spare time is to get better educated at what those 
particular issues. things would look like, right? And then it, what those issues are. And then on top of that, um, uh, you know, getting an audience, a bigger audience, for example, at the Real Action Fishing Podcast, the bigger the audience that I have, the more people that will eventually follow the story that I'm trying to build in which you have more leverage in building, um, you know, pitching those big ideas to a streaming platform, right? So it all kind of plays into each other. You need a platform personally and you need an ability, which is what I'm building over here. Then you need yep. contacts and the understanding of it, which is what I'm building over here. And then eventually, because I know TV is going to die, TV will die in five or 10 years and yep. it'll just be streaming platforms and sustainability is the buzzword. So you put two and two together, then there needs to be a content series on sustainability and I've recognized it now. I don't want to try to deliver that, but yeah, look, it's a, it's a very ambitious goal and it's probably one of many, but yeah, I thought I'd that's cool. I really like that. I did not expect that answer. I did not expect that answer. I hope it can happen because it's a good message. It's a great message. And I can imagine mm. how much of a buzz you would get from producing something so polished, uh, from oh, a, yeah. from a, not from the, what it is about, but just from a production point of view, but you've also got this whole, it's about, it's something important that you're actually creating it on. Hundred percent. Can you imagine? Like, oh, there would just be, there would just be so many scenes in that piece that you would just like visiting waterways that have dried up, or looking at millions of dead fish, or going to scoop only carp in a particular area, or getting archival photos of what a stretch of river used to look like. Like, man, like you can visualize it yourself. I don't need to paint yeah, that yeah. picture for anyone. So five years. Yeah, five years. Is that a Jono project or is that something you can actually do under Ozfish? It would be under Ozfish. Like if, yeah. But the way I see it, Ozfish invested in me and I want to be able to invest back in them at some point too. So so it yes. would be a project delivered under under that banner and it makes sense. Look, personally... Definitely. Uh, I want to say if it is, uh, you, you, it's achievable, especially with the support. It's a, Oh, it's achievable. Yeah, I, I, I don't question whether or not it's achievable. It's about it's about execution and, and yeah, having... Yeah, having the right people behind you, and I think I think that's there. So yeah, look, anyone listening to this, and they might go like, "Oh, I would watch that." You know, let Reese know in, in in your different membership forums and Facebook pages that you have, because all that helps. You know, awesome. I think we will leave that there. That was I love the goal, mate, and I hope it comes together and here to be a part of it to help as well, because that's a good message. There is no one who would not support that idea. So. I hope that actually comes together. I'm keen to actually see it come together. Yeah, thanks for having us on, mate. It's a good chat. I, I like that you give you know people like myself platforms like this to chat about those things. And hopefully, someone listening to this might they might be 16 or 17 or whatever, and they might kickstart their own journey. And if they do, you know, they know that people like me and you would probably be there to mentor them through it, just like Guesty was there for me. So it's a cool circle how it all works. And what's the piece of advice for those for that 16 year old? What is I think one bit of advice that you shared with me and the listeners earlier was the fact that you can't just be paid to fish directly. There's got to be another passion in there. My passion was in video creating. I used to create videos at school, not fishing related, but just that's the spark was there for video production. What's the piece of advice you've got for a 16 year old before we finish up? Yeah, it would be, um, uh, identify a skill set that you've got. So if you can write, if you if you're good at you know maybe those English subjects or those essay based subjects, identify that as a passion, and then and I and kind of figure out how you can 
develop that into our industry, which is magazine article writing, um, online websites and things like that, and start writing about your, your journeys and your fishing experiences and your tips and tricks like that. There's plenty of people that made a living in this industry out of writing. Two, if you can talk or you like presenting, then start perfecting that craft and get as much screen time you can in front of the camera. Um, even if that means digging into your own pocket or whatever it is, but this day and age, you should be able to sell film pretty easy like Reese is doing. Um, so if you identify your skill sets, number one, and then number two is find a mentor. So the sooner you can find someone doing what you're doing, the better, because they will only help you. They will cut so much time that you would have spent doing something that you probably shouldn't be doing because they go, no, I've done that. You don't need to do it. Try this. So yeah, that would be um, mine. And, I think you also mentioned that about the mentor and how I was going to, the next question was going to be, how did you, how do you, how do you find a mentor? How do you get a mentor? But like you said, message them, offer to work for them for free, buy them a coffee, buy them lunch, ask for, spend half an hour with them. Obviously not everyone's going to say yes, but because I, I actually didn't have that mentor like you did, not in such a profound way and it would have skipped heaps of time. Have you had anyone offer to work for you for free yet? No. Well, that is just ridiculous. Anyone listening to this, like you would be the perfect person to to reach out to. Not maybe not in the saltwater scene, for example, but if you're a young country <laughs> lad or scene. <laughs> No, you know what I mean. But if you're a young country lad or you're middle aged even, you don't have to be young and you and you, you want a career change or whatever or you've got some spare time. Why people haven't identified yourself as someone to go, Hey, can I just you know in whatever work you need help with, I'll come do it for free or if you can buy me a pub feed or whatever. I don't know. Because what they know. would learn under you would be crazy. Yes, I, I I agree. And I wish it was something I actually did in that in that period, you know, that like 16 to 22 period. Like you think you're busy, yep. but you're not. Like you're not busy. Invest in learning. Don't worry about, yes. you know, making all the money or whatever. Just make enough to get you through. Don't worry about like, yes, it'd be great to maybe you go to the mines and you work and you get heaps of money and whatever. But if you're going to follow a passion, I, I didn't do it. And I wish I, I kind of did. I, I learned how to video edit. I learned how to do all this. So I kind of did, but I wish I sort of dived in deeper and went, okay, six months, six months. I'm going to work two days a week just to get by. I'm still living at home five days a week. I kind of actually probably did um, now in hindsight when I look at it. Yeah. I buried myself in learning how to video edit, learning how to do all this. But I wish I found somebody to spend that six months with to learn from. But anyway, that's just, yeah. Yeah, that's there. something you learn from and you, you'll be able to pass that on to the next person. But yeah, that would be my advice. Um, Reese, we've just spoken for an hour and 57 minutes and 35 seconds. Would you believe it? So that is a world record for me. Um, is I, it really? I, I reckon. That's yeah. normal. But I'm going to let you go. Thank you very much for jumping on. Much Anytime, appreciated. Mate. I love what uh, you do. I thought it was only going to be an hour, but it ended up not being. Your story went for over 40 minutes to start with. But to finish this <laughs> off, I am going to leave us with the topic or the comment that soft vibes are a good option for golden perch. <laughs> See you, mate. See you, mate. I want to say a massive thanks to Jono for jumping on after work one night uh, to record this episode. Really appreciate him jumping on as I do every single guest speaker that we get on the podcast. Now, as you heard us talk about, I've jumped on the Real Action Podcast once before. 
twice before I actually talked to Jono and Starlo. The, the chat with Jono and Starlo was a really good listen, so I highly recommend you go check that one out. And I also did a chat about the Tumut River chasing trout with Jono and Guesty. So there's a couple of podcasts there. They're actually the only two podcasts to this date that I have not hosted or been a part of this podcast. But anyway, thanks again, Jono, for jumping on. I I really enjoyed that chat, especially towards the end, about becoming a content creator. It's it's something I was passionate about since I was super young, and obviously Jono as well. And like I said, you make your own luck. You put yourself in the positions. If that's something you want to achieve, you need to put yourself in those positions. Try different things. Dive all in. I dove into YouTube videos way back at the start. I dove into learning how to edit, learning how to build. The big thing for me was building a website. I spent a lot of time on learning how to build a website and also all the other little things we do to create the content we do. But I am super passionate uh, about content creating building the social fishing brand that we have and mainly helping others as well. So, if you are looking to become a content creator, push yourself. Just remember, it's not an easy road. I hope the tips in this podcast really do help. And as always, you can ask us questions and shoot them through. And if you did enjoy this episode, please let us know. Leave a like and a review over on Apple Podcasts. I read all the reviews. It's great to hear feedback from anyone. And if you have anyone in particular that you want me to interview, please let me know. Anyway, that is it from me. We have some really epic chats coming up very, very soon. The following one to this, episode 82, is another catch-up with the one and only Jacko Davis. I'm super pumped for that one. Sitting down to record that soon, and fingers crossed it will be out within the coming weeks. So get excited. That one is coming soon. Anyway, guys, I'll be talking to you later. My name is Reese Creed, and you've been listening to The Social Fishing Podcast.